0: This episode is brought to you by Crimped. This is the best app I have seen when it comes to self-coached training for rock climbing. Crimped has dozens of workouts crafted by world-class climbers and coaches that focus on all of the different facets of climbing performance and training, including workouts to guide your outdoor climbing. I just did a really fun collaboration with the guys at Crimped, and now all of you can try my three favorite outdoor bouldering workouts, Right there in the crimped app. We've got one called Stevens Outdoor Bouldering Warmup, which is my go to warmup on a bouldering day. We've got Stevens Outdoor Limit Bouldering, which will guide you through my approach to projecting hard boulders. And finally, we've got Stevens Outdoor Strength Zone Bouldering, which will guide you through a strength focused bouldering session. I've used that one a lot in Waco tanks over the past few years with great results. And it's a great format for sending some of those second tier boulders and building strength out there on the rock. Check out the Crimped app at crimped.com, that's C-R-I-M-P-D.com, to get started and download the Crimped app for free. And type in Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, into the search bar in the app to try my go-to outdoor workouts. That's crimped.com, or find the Crimped app in the app store. It's totally free to try. Type Steven in the search and have fun out there on the boulders. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is one of my favorite parts of my morning routine. As you all know, because I talk about it a lot on the podcast, I prioritize eating whole foods when it comes to my nutrition. But it can be really hard to get fresh produce and high-quality food when you live on the road or travel to some of these remote climbing areas that we all love to climb at. One scoop of Athletic Greens has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I think of it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. If I take Athletic Greens in the morning, I know I'm covered. To make your decision easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you, my dear listener, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Those things are super handy on road trips. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com nugget. Again, that is athleticgreens.com nugget to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. And I'm going to keep this one short because I'm about to drive to the airport and fly to South Africa. I'm very excited. My guest today is Bernd Zangerl. Bernd is a bouldering legend. He did the second ascent of Dreamtime back in 2001 the first V15 or 8C in the world put up by Fred Nicole. And he's been climbing at that level ever since. He's in his 40s now. This guy's put up 700 plus first ascents all around the world, probably a lot more than that now. But yeah, South America, South Africa, China, Norway, Switzerland, now in the Himalaya. This guy's put up first ascents all around the world. And he is just a lovely human. I got to meet him in person here in Magicwood. We actually recorded this a couple months ago before my trip, but we got to connect in person and he's just a really wonderful guy. Really enjoyed talking to him. All right, let's jump in. Please enjoy this wide ranging conversation with bouldering legend, Barrington Zenger. Yeah. Cast, cast, cast. no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Let's do a quick sound check just to get the
1: volume dialed in here. Where are you in the world right now? Uh, right now, I'm at home in Switzerland, right on the border to Austria. So back home after a long trip in India. Okay. And a little recovering a little bit.
0: Okay, recovering a little bit. Did you hurt your finger recently?
1: Yeah, just a few weeks ago. Oh, man. I hurt my a little pulley injury, so... The season is gone, but I can train different things and train the other fingers. Just this spring season is probably gone now. Mm. So I put the focus already summer and fall. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Where are you?
0: I am in Saint George, Utah. Um, have you been to Have you been to the states?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was uh back in the days. I was a. Uh, but the Waco Tanks, Bishop, a little bit, Yosemite. And it, we went up to Utah, but then there was a uh, snow. Mm. So uh, I climbed a little bit in the. Uh, where did I go, actually? Well, crack climbing I went then with Beat Kamalanda.
0: Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
0: Uh, classic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's been great. I'm here. Moe's Valley's right here. So I've been climbing out there a little bit. And uh but I've mostly been training in the gym. I'm actually going to Magic Wood in a little over a month and I've never been before. So I later in the conversation yes. I would love to get any advice or recommendations from you because I know you've spent a lot of time there and you're largely responsible <laughs> for Magic Wood being what it is today. So but I, I'm so excited. I don't think I've ever been this excited for a for a climbing
1: trip. Uh, cool. Yeah. So when it's your first trip to Magic Wood, then it's gonna be Very beautiful, there's a lot of stuff just around, like uh, Ticino is just an hour away from Magic Wood. So when you have bad weather there, you drive one hour, then you should be in the sunny side. Nice. And you can skip, it's really cool. I just actually live still 45 minutes to Magic Wood. Oh, no way. But but I'm not there so much time, not so much anymore.
0: Yeah, do you have anything left to
1: climb there? (laughs) I imagine you've Mm, you've, you've probably uh, cleaned cleaned it up. I clean it up, but there would be some new stuff I didn't repeat. Uh, but I did my stuff I wanted to do. And uh, it's a bit different now. Like I, I knew Magic Wood from the beginnings. It was actually my, this was my living room for three or four years. And when I go there now and see all the people, it's a different mood and uh, and the forest changed mm-hmm. a little bit for me because I, I just was there at the very beginning. so. That's also one of the reasons I try to do it different now in India or just set it up differently. That maybe the nature, the forest uh does not change so does not change so quickly or so big like in Magic Wood. Mm. It's it's still beauty, you will not see. But when you look closely, it's hard to imagine. But I just know it at the beginning, it was just green everywhere. It was really hard to find the spots and we had a few trails and Now I think for me, it's very open, but people still get lost everywhere, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I have heard that actually. I just was talking to some friends, uh, I think two days ago, uh, some Australian friends that are here and they've been traveling all over the world on this big trip that they're doing. And they said like, yeah, magic wood, you'll notice it more than anywhere else. The impact that climbers have on a natural environment, like it's really, really changed and um. They're like it's sad. It's it's hard to imagine it ever going back to what it was. It would take like probably years of climbers not being there at all for it to really be restored. So I, I'm sure we're going to talk about that later in the conversation. I know that's a, an important topic for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, would be cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, we'll we'll make our way there. Let's uh, let's back up a bunch, <laughs> and uh, I would love to hear a little bit about your background. First things first, though, can you pronounce your full name for me? I want to make sure I'm getting the the pronunciation
1: correct. Uh, my name is Bernd. Bernd, Bernd, yeah. But for in your last name for you, I guess, uh, Zangerl. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> <Zanger. laughs> no, I, when I was in the U.S., the people always had big troubles uh, <laughs> with my name Bernd Zanger, like the R. Bernd Z. Zanger. Bernd, yeah, Zanger.
0: Zangerl. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now I have it recorded so I can go practice before I, before I put this episode out and record the intro. I'll do my best.
2: <clears throat>
0: Bert. Okay. Well, yes. um, let's start with some of your background. You have a very unique path to bouldering. I, I think of you as, um, you know, just an exclusive boulderer. And I don't know if you think of yourself that way and if that's all that you do, but That's really common these days. You meet a lot of people who just boulder, but more often than not, they started with bouldering, maybe in the gym or outside, and they just never branched out beyond that. Or, you know, maybe someone gets really into bouldering these days. They dabble in sport climbing and trad, and then they come back to bouldering for its simplicity or just because they like trying hard or whatever. Uh, But you have kind of an unusual... Path to bouldering. You grew up in the mountains, started with mountain climbing, and kind of went backwards, so to speak, um, towards bouldering. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your background in climbing and how you got into it. And I'm curious to hear how you found your way to
1: bouldering and and why you connected with it so strongly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was 15 years, I guess uh, a mountain guide saw me climbing on like a street wall, like an artificial wall. And then he just, it was a little village and everybody knows everybody. And so he asked me, hey guy, you wanna try climbing? And I said, yes, of course. And then he took me to a climbing garden and uh, we connected very well. And this mountain, guy actually was searching a guy for belaying his on his alpine adventures. So I started alpine climbing with him for quite some years. So we went to the Marmolata, to Chamonix, dolomites and all the stuff uh and i really like that stuff but we had some yeah we had two or three occasions with uh rock falls and the last tour was actually on the marmolata on the south wall and we just did an easy route and halfway up uh yeah a huge rock was falling in my direction and i just looked up and said oh fuck, and i hide it behind my backpack and the rock was fall like one meter beneath me the rocks oh. scattered. and then uh we finished the route that day with ice and snow and uh yeah i was crying at the, when i was on the top of the mountain and said Fuck, i don't do this anymore uh, <laughs> and i thought i'm gonna train now because then i can try harder alpine routes and in harder alpine routes, there is no rock fall. It's better <laughs> rock quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so so I started sport climbing and trained a lot. And I liked it actually. I got strong very quickly. And after a few years, I was climbing eight sea routes after three years, I think. Get wow. into the competition a little bit. So I took part on the first competitions in Austria and uh, I liked it actually, uh, but then luckily one day I was in Vorarlberg and uh, Beat Kammerlander was already bouldering a little bit, like he did bouldering, he did he did, he did everything. And I was lonely on a crack and this guy was, a guy was running up to me and I saw the hair that, oh fuck, this is Beat Kammerlander. And he just come to me, hey guy, what are you doing? They nothing. <laughs> oh, nothing. Ah, cool. So go with me and you have to belay me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I belayed him on his uh, super project. And through Beatt, uh, uh, I knew Steini then. Like he introduced me to this uh, climbing scene here. And Steini was one of the first boulders and he took me down to Ticino in 99. And from the first day in Cristiano, I put rope everything away every minute, every weekend. (laughs) I just loved bouldering, I don't know. Mm. It was mind-blowing, this first uh, trip to Cristiano. It opened my mind, because it, in climbing it was always the hardest route, the hardest mountain. And I was climbing at sea and feeling kind of strong, huh? but then I saw these boulders and Fred did some stuff there, and I could not lift off the ground. <laughs> so it was wow, this is amazing. And so every minute from then on, I spent on bouldering.
0: Mm. Just because it was the the hardest thing that you had tried, you just were drawn to the difficulty. Was it was it the difficulty of it, the impossibility of it? What do you think it was that
1: that you were so interested in? Yeah, the the impossibility for at one point. Like, uh, we hiked through Cristiano and there was a boulder. It's La Prue, it's like a two-mover 8B, I think it's still 8B. And you are there and you, you had a feeling you are kind of strong, but it was just unimaginable to climb this. And I thought, okay, all these sport climbers talking about how strong they are, but this is actually the challenge. Here. <laughs> and uh, so I just skipped everything else and... And on the other side, this climbing scene, the boulders, they have been so cool and easy people. Like the scene was so small uh, and relaxed people. Like they went to a bar afterwards, drink a beer, smoke some cigarettes. Sometimes it wasn't, they're not all not professionals, but always stronger than I was at that time. Mm. Like a very family, like a big family and uh, everybody supported each other. So that was maybe with the competition I did before, uh, I felt more home at, at with those people and mm. uh, this climbing scene. When you met another person back in the days, so like you went there, you had shake hands and say, hello, you exchange information. Oh, a boulder. <laughs> <And> <laughs> now you don't you don't do not shake hands when you go out to Magic Wood or Cristiano anymore.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> too many people. Yeah. <laughs> too that, many people. That's great. That's great. Um, I have a quote from you. It's from an article I read uh, yesterday. You wrote that for you, bouldering is the kindergarten, but also the pinnacle of climbing. Can you elaborate on that and tell me what you meant by that?
1: Yeah, I think the the kindergarten is like where you can play around. You don't take it so serious. Like uh, most of those routes we opened back in the days, like we did not have grades all the time. And at the beginning we had no grades anyway. It was more like this game is it possible could it go and learning all these crazy movement patterns and uh, new styles of climbing and at the end it was just fun playing around but on the other side the boulders are they're leading the future like in bouldering you're gonna see what's coming next in sport climbing and mm. uh, alpine climbing like it's back to the difficulty Everybody was talking about the difficulty, the hardest route, the hardest stuff. So in bouldering, actually, the hardest stuff is happening. And now they do 8B, 8B plus boulders in the routes. Mm. And uh, let's see where it will go in the future.
0: Yeah, I wonder how long it's going to be before there's a V16 and 8C plus on on a route. It's just a matter of time, you know, it hasn't happened yet as far as I know, but just a matter of time. Yeah.
1: I think you just. I think you have to find it first. Something mm. like that. It's not too easy to. There are not so many eighty uh, eighty pluses or nine A's around. Like the thing is, you must find this line and the roots also. And it should be attractive that you put your energy into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And then I'm curious. Um, you already mentioned Fred, Fred Nicole, for people that didn't uh, that didn't immediately know who that was. So. One thing I I wanna talk to you about is Dreamtime. You ended up making the second ascent of Dreamtime in 2001. So you were in your early 20s. It it seems like you made really quick progress as a boulderer. Did you know who these people were? Did you know who Fred was? Was he in the magazines? Did you just hear about him? How did you know who he was and what some of these hard boulders were
1: at the time before the internet? From the magazines, like uh, I was, I got the rock and ice magazine and climbing magazine. There, actually, I was learning my English, and I (laughs) saw those pictures. So I know him from the magazines. And uh, Steini, I think he met him already in Ticino, because Steini was also bouldering there. He repeated some of the first eight days back in the days. So, but the funny thing is on Dreamtime, when I went to Dreamtime, I did not know that Fred climbed it. Oh. And it was not it was not even dream time for me. Like I found the same boulder summertime before with Steini. And we thought, wow, such an amazing line. Like I'm gonna try that next next season. Then I come back next season and it's chalk on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, fuck, somebody found my boulder. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So I went. So I went there and uh, Fred's brother was there and he looked at me and asked me, who, who are you? What are you doing here? And I said, yeah, I want to try this rock here. <laughs> <laughs> and in the magazine later, a few weeks later, I saw that this is Dreamtime.
0: Mm, wow, that's and, that's great. I was going to ask you, like, what was it like to see Dreamtime for the first time? <laughs> You're like, oh, a cool new boulder that looks really hard.
1: I'm just sitting in the woods. Yeah, no, that's the that actually the funny story. And then it took me yeah. But I know from the beginning I can do it. Like I could hang on the holes, I could do most of the moves. But to link everything was uh, the challenge that mm. and maybe because it was dream time and then it was 8C, maybe it put a little bit more pressure on me. But actually we found it and thought it's our first ascent.
0: <laughs> I say that again? <laughs>
1: Actually, Steiny and I found this rock, and oh. I thought it's going to be our, our <laughs> yeah. project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, people that um, that are newer to climbing or don't know the the history of Dreamtime, it was you know first done by Fred, Ni- Fred Nicole, and it was the first boulder in the world rated eight C or V fifteen. So, definitely a big deal, and still one of the most famous boulders in the world. Um, looks absolutely yeah. stunning. I've never been. I, I I can't wait to go look at it on this trip. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's
1: one hour from Magic Woods you can watch it. It'll be
0: too easy. hot there, right? For for hard climbing
1: in May. Uh in May. Ma, maybe with some shadow. If there's some wind, not wind, it's you can climb there, huh? Okay. Maybe not in the highest grades, but uh it's still possible. Like I did I did dream time on the fourteenth of April, like on a really okay. warm day. I I actually gave it up already. We thought it's not possible. And this giving up finally gave all the energy free to mm. do it. Then seems like,
0: mm. yeah, classic story. Yeah, we, classic
1: I think we, story. I
0: think we all know that experience. What did that process look like for you? Was that a really, was that a big project? Did it take you a lot of days?
1: Yeah, yeah. I drove. My, I, I don't know. I started in November, and it was a rainy, uh, rainy winter, like humid. Uh, so from November till April, I tried it. The, the thing is, like I could climb the sequences easily, but to link it, like I was always falling in the jump. Then I, I could climb the second part eight times in a row with no rests. Wow. But <laughs> wow. I think maybe it was a really a mind problem. I don't know. Mm. Because it's the proud line and you want to do it at one point. And I was young and psyched. But the thing is, you know, you can do it, but you don't know why it's actually not happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the learning process when you are young, I think.
0: I love that. And and um, what allowed you to have such belief that you could climb the hardest boulder in the world at the time? Like, was that just being young and and being psyched? Did you think of it that way? Did it? Was it just that bouldering was so new that there wasn't any of that? Aura around it yet, or I don't, I don't know. How would you hmm. h- how would you explain that? Because you know, really, you're stepping into this this spotlight and and kind of rising up and being like one of the best climbers in the world by doing this thing. What gave you that sort of belief in yourself?
1: Hmm. Yeah, maybe the whole it's because I always reduce the boulder problem to each single move. And uh, I opened the, at that time. I I did some first ascents in Magic Wood and one here in Vorarlberg, Like it's two moves. It was two moves, and uh, this it was 8b, 8b plus maybe. One one boulder is blown away by the time now. It's a quarry. <laughs> oh no way! <laughs> Dang. Yeah, it's such a such a beautiful rock, and they blowed it away. Oh no! And uh, it was a two move problem. Like many people tried, and I could do it, and Dream time, like I could do every single move at the very beginning. And mm. then I thought, it's just a question of time to link it. Like It has no really hard single move. And uh, I tried in Magic Wood already some other hard stuff where we could not, yeah, where we did not even do the moves. Just holding. I had the my thing was when I can hold on some holds, at one point I can cl- do the move. Mm. So I had many projects where I was just holding on the holds, but I could mm. not do it. Yeah. So, but I thought just a question of time and uh, it will happen.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's great. That's actually a strategy that I think I've underutilized and I'm starting to do more and more is, you know, thinking about a hard crux move on a boulder or a sport route as as many, many different steps. You know, first off, can you hold the position, you know? um, And then can you like pull your body weight upward Can you hold that, Mm -hmm. you know, and then can you make any sort of momentum towards the next hold, even if you're not even close and just breaking it into those pieces and spending more time, just holding positions. It's such good training for, for those moves. And um, yeah, a lot of really strong boulders do that. I feel like that's something I'm, I'm kind of new to still like, wow, I haven't done a ton of that actually just like entire, you know, you hear about this, like entire sessions where you go out and you're just hanging positions and you're not actually climbing (laughs) or doing any moves.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, like in between, you can do that. I think you should also do some moves, but I think it's it was our training also back in the days because we did not have a, a gym or bouldering wall, so just trying to hold a position. This is the best max finger training, a mm. uh, power training you can do. So we played around and hold it, and you uh, get stronger by doing it. Maybe have fun on some other boulders in between.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Can you describe what the scene was like a little bit more at that time? I mean, I'm I'm just imagining there's like five people total that are, you know, that are even visiting these areas, let alone trying V-15. What was it like? And what was climbing like at the time?
1: (laughs) Hmm. Well, it was really, nobody knew about bouldering like, uh, Actually, the sport climbing people or the other climbers, they looked at me and said, hey, he is now, uh, he's now bouldering. Like, What is he doing? He's just climbing on these little rocks. Some people thought I have uh, problems with the height now, mm. that I'm just playing around on these little boulders. Most climbers did not understand the idea of bouldering, like Fred did or Steini mm. or Beat also. Uh and maybe later they started to, they saw oh bowling is a good training for sport climbing. So the the boulders by heart they've been really less like I told you, like when you saw somebody, you went there, you give a shake hand and you exchanged and yeah, there's a new problem there and there's you must try there's something new. Everybody was making new things and you shared it with each other because you were curious what they think. And, maybe it's a cool move also for them it uh, was very very family so that's maybe also the main reason i love that sport so much mm. and uh when you met a farmer people looked and we had like oh the farmer will be go crazy with us is there oh, no it, no problem we have been so so less people we did not disturb anybody mm. and it was always kind of a nice welcome also with local farmers and the people there. And when they were critic, we we visit the local bar. There, you meet the local people, and you start chatting. And once they know what you're gonna do here and what is your interests, uh, all, all local people at the end have been easy and said, oh, have fun here and uh, enjoy. Mm. They, Most people, they did not understand. Like sometimes, once the police was waiting for us in Magic Wood, <laughs> at the car when we came back in the night, and they said, guys, what are you doing here? Like it was winter, <laughs> we climbed in the night, we tried uh, a free mover, like with all the down the jackets, all the down checks off, tried two moves, fell down, check it on, and they watched us for hours. <laughs> uh, but after that day, we have been friends with the police people there too.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, another thing that's really interesting to me, it, it, it makes sense, I think. I'm just curious how you think about this, though. Starting to boulder at that time, first ascents is just part of your experience, just by default, because there's not very many people climbing and there's not that many established things. So you're going to spend a lot of your time going out and trying new things. Is that what set you on the path that you've been on for the last 20 or so years? Because, you know, it seems like there was kind of two diverging paths that you could have taken. You know, you, you send Dreamtime the hardest boulder in the world at the time. You could have easily just continued to chase the very hardest things that other people were doing, but it seems like you've chosen to really pursue exploration, development, doing new things, seeking new things, exploring, cleaning, you know, establishing new areas and traveling. Why did you choose that path?
1: because there i felt the the most pure motivation uh in climbing just really doing new things uh i also tried other people's boulders sometimes in between i repeated some stuff like from the dirt grows the flower and entlinge, which mm-hmm. was kind of the other eight C's. but many years later 2009 but uh i the line was really cool i tried to repeat it too but uh Doing first ascents, new ex- exploring new boulders was uh, just most most fun. Like if you find a rock and there was no chalk on it, that was actually more challenging than if somebody already did it. Yeah, you know he did it. You can also do it uh, sooner or later, but uh, at one rock was no chalk. You never know if it's mm. going to happen. And I got stuck on some project for five, six, eight years. Because I thought it should be possible one day. (laughs) Things that you, things that never, that you were never able to climb? Yeah, just uh, having this idea, wow, this line I want to do. And then it took me eight years to finish it. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, ridiculous, actually. (laughs) Still living from this first moment, wow, this rock, it would be so cool if it goes and yeah i spent 8 years there <laughs> <laughs> which
0: which climb are you thinking about when you when you talk about that spending 8 years at one boulder
1: the latest one is uh i call it first try <laughs> it's a a one move bo- one move boulder problem in uh in raksham in the himalayas i think it's the most beautiful rock i ever found like the most perfect boulder for my generation or for me wow it's like uh, one rock, it's like the karma of drink. Uh, karma in Fontainebleau is famous, mm. but this first try is, uh, I think it's even more beautiful. It's like you hike through the forest, you come around the corner, then you see like a 45 degree wall, totally blank. Even lifted up from the ground, like it's not touching the ground, it's hanging out from the. Wow. And it's totally blank, and you run there, and it's a kind of like a very good hole to start. And then one meter 40 up is a crimp, smears, and it's like, come on, and try it. It's so, so it's such an obvious line. I don't know why it took me so long. What? Triano also tried it.
0: <laughs> I, well, real I I real quickly, do it. you don't know why it took you so long. I mean, from what yeah. I understand, first try, uh, it's a one move V14, maybe, which would make it possibly the hardest single move in the world
1: maybe maybe it is like, yeah so that i mean that explains it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but when you look at it it didn't look so hard like okay i'm okay. gonna do this i was compassing one four eight or one five nine and i thought this is my style <laughs> i'm gonna do this it never happened like i don't know i for sure thousand tries a thousand like, tries this. wow in ten in eight years maybe yeah i think so huh wow Incredible. 10 (laughs) tries. It's so
0: incredible. Okay, why did you, after try number 500, why did you keep trying it? I mean, it must have just seemed possible, like any try
1: now, it it must have seemed like you were very close. Yeah, because uh, the feeling was when you're, I always think about this perfect moment in bouldering, like you feel good, the friction is good, you're happy. You feel light and easy and it's just just to stick it and get this hold this swing. I just believed in that that I, I can <laughs> do this very beautiful boulder. <laughs> and uh, when you see it when you see it in real life, it's you can't just pass it and say, Yeah, I can't do it. So I with forty-three years, I finally did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, you did it at age forty-three probably the hardest move in rock climbing. That's incredible. Why did you name it first try? That's hilarious.
1: Yeah, because of the thousand tries before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I did not do it first try because Giuliano was there too at uh, Giuliano Camaroni. And uh, he also had the feeling he's so strong on crimps, and yeah. it doesn't look so uh, hard. But it's such a very complex dynamic move and to catch this and you have to hold it. But he could not do it in during this trip. And he actually said, wow, Bam, this is maybe a 8B plus single move. Like till that, I did not even think mm. because one 8B single move is also just incredible at one point. So let's see what the next generation is. Uh thinking about this it's one move it's hard to grade yeah i'm not the biggest guy maybe some guy comes and just flashes it (laughs) so maybe one guy can do it first try
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh that'll be an amazing day that's incredible is there a video or a photo of this folder that i could find
1: uh i have photos there should be i don't have the ascent because yeah we didn't set up i set up the cameras many times but not that day
0: yeah not for you didn't capture every single one of those thousand tries <laughs> I, no.
1: think I think that's think that's understandable, <clears throat> but Ray Dembski has some footage from last year when I had a good try, and I have some photos on Instagram, and I just sent you over okay. uh, a few photos perfect i'll
0: i'll want. I'll be sure to share them. yeah, I want to see this boulder. that's amazing. What did it mm-hmm. feel like to finally stick the move and and do this thing? Was it that moment that you had envisioned, that perfect moment that you were trying to capture?
1: It felt so easy when I did it that I just could not believe it. <laughs> and uh,
0: <laughs> Bouldering's so oh, weird, it was, isn't
1: it? <laughs> it's, it's so weird, yeah. yeah. It was actually the feeling you look for, but just because it's one move, uh, it was, I, I did not really capture it with my mind. I, mm. I did the move, I topped it out and, I, if, It was a little bit funny this time because normally when I try something such a long time, it's this kind of happiness or relief or you're happy that you finished your idea, but this just went too quickly. Mm. It's really, you jump, you get it, and two seconds later, you're on the top out. Yeah. So my friends were looking at me and said like, oh yeah, it's it's done. I was very happy and we made a little party afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) yeah but now i'm gonna focus on longer boulders i think i'm a bit i want to do more moves now in a row yeah
0: yeah that's understandable i am curious though i have to ask a thousand tries i mean that is like i don't know you know in martial arts um certain people just they, they just become obsessed with like perfecting the single movement and they learn so much about their art or their craft from just zooming in and, and obsessing with this one single thing, this is like the you know ultimate expression of that in climbing. What did you learn from that? D- do you have any like takeaways or lessons? Did you become a better climber from investing so much time and energy in, and attention to mm. this one move?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if i'm if this move made me a better climber? Maybe a, a strong mind, like a very narcotic mind, <laughs> <laughs> that you keep on trying. But I also did that before, like, as always, this belief, like, uh, in a perfect moment, everything can happen. So sometimes in our lives, we experience this perfect flow or movement, also not in climbing, just you go out and you feel totally satisfied and happy with your surroundings. And then when you go somewhere, it, it suddenly feels feel so easy. But this move, I don't know. I just wanted to do it. Maybe the problem was because I wanted to do it so, so badly. And my first op- my first idea was this. It didn't look so hard. I really thought I'd just do it because it's good. Hold, you jump to the screen. It's my style. Maybe. My first reaction was wrong, and then it took me such a long time. It, it teach me a lesson, maybe always be calm when you watch it and try first and mm. but uh, I'm not sure if I've gotta give a better climber. I was more relieved not to try this anymore. I must <laughs> <say>. Yeah <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm sure everyone listening can relate to that feeling too. <clears throat> and for me it's maybe it's the most beautiful rock eye open. So wow. I put maybe too much pressure on that, uh, on this beauty and all those things. It's always good to step back, but we love bouldering. We love climbing. So it's always a bit hard to, you think you are detached and you see it from different, but I think there are probably many levels mm. uh, for not taking it too serious. Yeah, totally. I, t- I tried meditation before and the problem is the crimp you jump to and uh it's i'm 175 it's uh, for me it's a kind of a bigger jump the crimp is very unregular. so you have to hit it on the very right spot and it seemed like on that day i just got it on the right spot with mm-hmm. the tension or maybe the gods have been nice to me and said okay let this guy up
0: <laughs> <out there> <laughs> a thousand tries is enough let him let him do it yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it's interesting it <laughs> reminds me of um There's that great short film, that 30-minute film of Nale on the Lapnor project doing Burden of Dreams. And he describes it really similarly. He puts, you know, 80 days into this boulder problem and then does it. And he's like, that just bouldering's so weird. Like that just felt like a like one random try. You just get lucky and you do it and then it's over. Like all your entire life has been planned around this thing. And then you just do it in this flash and you don't even understand like what happened differently or why and then you're at the top and like did that did that just happen you know it's it's just so bizarre and just sometimes it feels like luck with these things
1: yeah no this is so and in there i see the there must be so much more potential in bouldering like i was in this my like i did i did some hard stuff like lapu back then uh, I did it second try, this 8P. When I, and it was easy that day. Like I went <laughs> there, I was with some friends. We had so much fun. Where is I this? I was just playing around This uh, in Cristiano. Mm. Like like the very first boulder when I was the first time in Cristiano, I stood below it and thought, wow, how is this? How is this possible to climb? Uh, this, it was, I could not lift off the ground. Like <laughs> I touched the holes, but I did not even try And many years later, or many years later, two or three years later, I was already much stronger. I was there and we had just, it comes out of the easiness. Like it wasn't even in the mind, you go to La Prue, this is the project for the day. We were running around, playing around. I did something before, I was already very happy. Then we went there, probably friction, everything must have been perfect, and I tried. And second try, I stuck the hold and I topped it out. (laughs) And uh, it did not feel 8B at that day. And still nobody downgraded this boulder. It's still mm. 8B. But it's this easiness or this lightness inside, maybe the light lightness of the heart. We are looking for that, I think. Mm. And in this, crazy things can happen. Yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting. In this conversation, I... I uh... This is the first time we've ever talked. This is the first time meeting you. And you have this, you seem to have this lightness. You have this real like warmth and calm. You're you're very easy to talk to. And I feel very like comfortable and safe talking to you. Where do you think that comes from? Is that something that you've practiced or that you've put thought and and work into? Or is that just the the way that you are? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like,
1: yeah, but, but you are, I think you're also such a nice, open-hearted person. Otherwise, I probably would not talk so easy with you. It's mm. very nice. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. It's <laughs>
1: Thank you. And and yes, this is great. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I did not think I learned that. I was always into Buddhism. I do a lot of meditation. Mm. Uh, I believe in love, even when I don't feel it all the time and it's not always easy mm. but i still believe in the in the good things of life even when it, you have troubles at the moment mm. and with the right people it seems like we connect very well yeah I I, I think I was thinking I know you, but I don't know. You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It
0: feels like we've hung out before. This is this is great. <laughs> We're thousands of miles away on a Zoom call, but yeah, this is this is so effortless and and easy. It's that easiness. I, I really I really uh feel what you're talking about. Um I wanna ask you about your travels. It seems like traveling is a very important part of your life, not just not just um because of the opportunities for climbing and opening and developing new boulders, but it just seems the experience of traveling itself and the culture and the people is is really important to you. Why is that? What, what makes traveling important for you and what do you get out of it?
1: Mm. Because maybe climbing and bouldering, maybe at the very beginning, I was more motivated just to travel and I, I didn't even care where we went climbing or bouldering I grew up in this little village, and you're kind of stuck in this village, like everybody has this normal job, and you have to do that. And I went to school and already knew what's going to be my next school. And then this mountain guy took me, and we drove to Switzerland or to France. And for me, this was just uh, mind-blowing. It, it opened, this also opened my mind, seeing other people. And traveling made make me really happy, seeing new things, and places, learn other people. And uh, yeah, uh, probably the traveling was more important than the climbing at the beginning. Just mm. go to another place and see how it looked like. Uh, and I saw so much of beautiful nature. Like I love nature and the mountains, and there are so many beautiful places out there. And uh, it's just nice then to be there. And then you can climb also. It's like the. The cream of the coffee, then, or <laughs> the, ex- the extra, extra point. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah, it started. Fred took me then to to the states, like Waco Tanks.
0: How did you become? Tell me about that. How did you become friends with Fred? What 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 was it like? You know, having um, climbed some of his boulders and and knowing about him from the magazines. What was it
1: like to actually meet him? Mm-hmm. It was... I was a little bit nervous that day because I knew I am going to meet him today. But the funny thing is, uh, Fred was sponsored by uh, 510 and Prana. And uh, his girlfriend was kind of managing that stuff. She was working at the outdoor company here in Switzerland. And then Steini told Mary, fuck, this Zangal guy is strong. Like, he should have some shoes and some trousers. So Mary actually... Made my spons my first sponsoring too, <laughs> <laughs> for me. <laughs> it's awesome. And, uh, then we met at a Prana meeting in Ticino in maybe 2000 or 2001, and uh I know him from the pictures and magazines. Then, then you meet this very humble person with no stars or. Yeah, he's just a very humble person. Mm. And then you meet him and say, Wow, this is the strongest person, such a nice guy. And his vision for climbing, he just loves climbing. And uh, they invited me to to for the for the next trip. And so I joined them to Waco Tanks. And then then we went to Rocklands the next summer. Oh amazing. And we lived three months, three and a half months, uh in two little tents on a campsite and just explored rocklands and just climbed. <laughs> like we had never had like a competitive, he did his things, I did my things. I was in learning process and I was strong in some crimpy things. But he did his stuff, I did my stuff. And I don't know, we shared the same passion. Uh it was always beautiful. Like Fred and Mary, both persons are just so beautiful. I'm very lucky that as a young person, you meet those people and they're taking with you. Mm. Uh, Yeah, it was beautiful.
0: Did he feel like a mentor to you? Did you learn specific lessons from him?
1: Mm -hmm. I think he was not like... He for sure gave me some tips and uh, technical things, but no, we never had like this feeling of mentoring because I already did other hard things and Mm -hmm. I had different ideas Fred had different ideas of lines and, and I had my own ideas. Uh, so we supported each other. Like we yeah. are good in supporting each other, I think. Like, come on, Fred, go. And he did the same. Like, it's so cool when there's a person behind you and he says, come on, go. And you really feel he wants that you do it. Mm. Because sometimes you also have those people, yeah, come on, go and Alle, and, But at the end, they don't, they don't mind if you fall. They say the same, but <laughs> but Fred was like, "Yeah, go." <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it's funny. I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's it's interesting, isn't it, that you can feel the difference. I wouldn't be able to explain what the difference is in words. You know, it's not it's not any like tangible difference that that I'd be able to describe or put into words necessarily, or or pinpoint. It's just this feeling, like you can tell when someone is. There's no there's no competition there. Um you succeeding on your thing doesn't threaten them, and vice versa. Some people it's just easy to find that with, and other people it's it's really hard. I, I don't totally understand why.
1: Yeah, it's uh I also can't it's hard to put it in words really, yeah. But and it's very subjective uh, if you feel this, if you think you feel it, but uh it's most of the time it's very true. Mm. Uh it's maybe the gut feeling or the heart feeling.
2: Mm. Uh
1: yeah. it's like we connect here by talking. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Hard to say. It's maybe you see. It's more things happening outside our sensations, probably. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I I totally believe in that sort of stuff. I don't know what to call it, but I I totally believe that there's more. <clears throat> we have more senses than we're really. Uh, fully aware of as far as like the scientific explanations of them go. There's just yeah you know, too many things like that happen all the time where you just like have this interesting connection or feeling or knowing
1: um, that you can't really explain. Yeah, I think so too. I think their life actually starts.
0: Oh, their life starts. I like that. I like that. I'm curious. So at this point you've done and this is actually probably an outdated uh, number because this is from a pretty old bio of yours, but you've done 700 plus first ascents all around the world from South America to Rockland, South Africa, China, Norway, obviously all the stuff in Switzerland. Um, You're currently developing a new area, a new new Boulder playground, a new kindergarten in uh, Mm. the Indian Himalaya. What draws you to a new potential area? Why do you... um, or how do you decide where to go
1: and where to invest
0: your time and energy?
1: Mm. Like the Himalaya was easy. I always wanted to see the the Himalayas. Like my uncle was a mountain climber, like he climbed 8,000 meter peaks and you see these pictures. And there was always, this was just a feeling. I wanna, I wanna see the Himalayas. I just, I wanna see these mountains with my own eyes and the people there and so, uh, once again, I connected with Fred Nicole back in the days, and Elie Vieux, which was also one of the very famous climbers in the 90s, I guess, because they also wanted to go to the Himalayas. And so, I started reading old books and uh, searching the internet. The internet was not so good back in 2010, or the Himalayas, the Chinese, I think, you could not zoom in so good to really see the landscape so good but in one of those old books i found a picture a black and white picture with a huge mountain in the background and i studied geology and i saw wow this is a fucking huge granite wall and if there's such a big wall there must be boulders on the ground was my my actually my thought and uh i I convinced them to search this place. Like We had no idea roughly about where it could be. <laughs> and Elie uh, Chevier was not easy to, I uh, was not difficult to put on my side. And Fred said, yeah, you really, we don't know where we go. And then we just started driving. And then I found Raksham, it's uh, amazing. So I must have a good uh knows to find those places.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How did you find Raksham? Is is I mean, yeah, was were you just driving around exploring places? How did you find that place?
1: Mm, we went then to India to another place and I had like this black and white picture with me. And then in India in Manali we we heard then some people told, yeah, that's maybe in this hour, like on the very west uh, direction to Tibet, uh, very east. Uh, and then I, I just convinced them, come on, let's have a drive. Like People were saying Manali is really cool for bouldering and climbing. But what we found there was nice, but not like this, uh, not that you're going to drive to India just before, because there. But uh, in this valley with this huge big wall. I wanted to see this big wall, and I was sure there are boulders on the ground. Mm. Then we drove there 14, 16 hours in a cheap, like really bad mountain <laughs> roads. It's after 10 hours, nobody wanted to drive anymore. We all had back pain and dread <laughs> uh... But we, we kept on driving. At the end, the taxi driver did not want to drive because the road was so bad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but there were still no rocks. And I, that was maybe the first time I got not angry, but I said, no, we pay you, you drive. Keep on driving, we must drive. And we kept on driving into this valley and we the rock started like, oh, wow, there are some boulders and we saw some rocks in the distance. Then it started snowing and uh it was getting dark and uh we we passed some rocks on the road and then we said okay we we just stay here this night and have a look uh next day so we get out in Raksham i was shouting on the streets like shelter shelter please help us <laughs> is that, somebody open tiny window. village can you can you describe what raksham is raksham is a, a tiny village on 3000 meters uh, maybe the center of the village has like four or five hundred people living there, but it's spread out a little bit uh, and it's like it's like a fairy tale place when you see it the very first time it's hmm. it the valley it's getting more flat, it opens up on both sides you have five and six thousand meter peaks and uh you it goes direction Tibet like the valley goes. You could enter Tibet from this side, but at the end of the valley is a military base for you. They will not let you over. Laksham is the most beautiful place I found in my life, I think. Wow. Like I felt felt home. These mountains, these rocks, and we're always looking for potential and boulders, and they're just endless. It's endless. Like... We bouldered there now for more than 10 years and I still think it's untouched <laughs> because- Wow. It's it's so big. It's the first time in a place, there's so many rocks, I will never see everything in my life. And I hiked already for 10 years there. Wow, that's incredible. It's, t- it's, it's climbers, boulders, paradise. It's not just for boulders, it's you can do any kind of climbing there. Mm. We put up some sport routes now, some tread climbing is there too. And there would actually be some big walls up there too, mm. and, and uh, big rock faces. But I don't know. It was like coming home. I I would live there. Maybe one day I I want to stay one year there and then just be with the people. It's it's Buddhist country also, like people looking at you and they're happy. They are not uh, not having problems with you. Mm. And the landscape is just so. The landscape is amazing. The forest, like, when you're gonna see magic wood in a few, in a month or so, it's also very beautiful. But these forests in the in the Himalayas are still like, like this pre, how do you say, what's the English word? Pre, pre, Maybe pre, Prehistoric. Like this prehistoric with all those different kind of trees and this white birches in between. Mm. I've never have seen such a beautiful uh, nature. Wow. And in between, just a lot of rocks. <laughs> it's uh no, it's I keep it secret now for such a long time. I didn't want I actually didn't want to publish it. Like I I was thinking about this for 10 years to publish it or bring it to the open. But we actually decided now it's maybe not so good. We just keep it. Maybe in five years everything is closed, uh it's it's moss and green again, and nobody ever bouldered there. But now I think with this project, it could be a good idea. And pe- other people should enjoy And Indian mm. climber will enjoy this place. It's their land, not mine.
0: Mm. Yeah, you you made a really beautiful film about it um, called Racham Bridge Between Worlds. Loved it, I, I loved it. Why did you decide to, what changed your mind? Why
1: did you decide to make the film? Mm. Because development will happen with or without me, mm. uh, slowly now Indian people are coming, like tourists start, tourists. Uh, yeah, the tourist business is starting now anyway, all over the Himalayas, also in this far off valleys. And uh, the local people are looking for tourists, they're hoping for them. Mm. And in other places around it, the development goes very quickly but then a lot of Indian people suddenly show up. And uh, then we thought the climber could be the perfect tourist for this place. Like other people should enjoy it too. They come there, they stay longer. Like when you'd make such a trip, you stay at least two, three weeks, even longer. So that would be at one point a sustainable tourist, better than this daily tourist, which come with buses maybe in the future. Mm. stay there one night then the next bus is coming stay there so and also it's the future potential of India I think I didn't find a a bigger place it will come with or without me Mm. so we decided maybe maybe set up some rules and the local people could grow with it and maybe local now local people are climbing there like the kids already started some of them uh maybe the best climbers of india come out of raksham in the future <laughs> so <laughs> we try awesome. to get the, the locals in there too
0: were you some of the first i'm just imagining you and fred and the taxi driver pulling up um you know 10 years ago were you some of the first foreigners that, that those villagers ever saw and what what did yeah, what, what, how did that go what did they think were they just confused yeah tell me more about that
1: I think we have been really some of the first tourists in this place, and they had no idea what we're gonna do here. And and then I come back every every year. They actually thought uh, that we're looking f- because we have been brushing some rocks to to boulder, huh? Then they thought we we're looking for some treasure, for some gold, or <laughs> that that we know something they don't know. They. They had no idea that people come and climb up this rock. Mm. So they they really watched us cleaning these rocks and they thought we're gonna searching something in the rocks. <laughs> but then at one point we explained to them this is my job. I climb on rocks. This is my job. I get money for that. And then it was clear for them. Oh. So then he should then he should come and there are a lot of rocks here, just come and climb. Wow. And I always brought nice people with me, like my friends are all very mellow. They all enjoyed just, just being there is, uh, is amazing. You don't even have to climb. And uh, I think we just connected very well with all those local people there. And uh, we asked them if we can use these trails, if it's a problem there. So with a lot of respect, and then they invited us to come back.
0: Mm. That's amazing. And now
1: I... they're looking for tourists. Anyway, they thought I bring I bring more tourists sooner, but it took a little bit time now. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what is it what is it like to get there? Do you still have to take a sixteen hour bumpy taxi ride to get to 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 get there, or has that changed in the last ten years?
1: Mm-hmm. No, the roads are much better now. Like uh, it's not such an epic trip anymore. it still takes some time like when you fly to Delhi, you can make it in one day i did last year but it's better to make a stop in between like two easy days driving on the road is good now two eight hours one and maybe eight hours two eight hours maybe to ten hours driving but uh you drive into the himalayas it's it's part of the trip already i think Mm. when you start in Delhi. Then you leave this crowded city and uh, all this noise, and then you slowly drive up. The Himalayas are so big, like the Alps are, yeah, it's half the size. Wow! And you're driving for hours through the mountains. At one point, you see it. It's a, I think it's a very beautiful trip to go there. You can also take part of the road with a train, like with a hundred year old or even older train from the English, from the British. Wow colonialists, and then you take this train and drive for six hours into this Shimla. Shimla is the next city. And then from there you see the mountains already in the far distance and then it's just not. From Shimla it's ten hours. Like you can reach Shimla from Delhi in eight hours, and then from Shimla maybe eight to ten hours, then you are in Raksham. Mm. And once you are there, you don't need anything else. You don't need a car or you live in the middle of the village and you see all the rocks around you. Where do you stay? Uh, we stayed in the very first ho- Indian hotel of that time. He used air quotes. And myself. I still, <laughs> I stay, I still stay there. <laughs> but now since the tourism is coming up, there also some homestays in the, in the village. Like some young people open some really beautiful homestays where you actually live with the locals. They cook for you, they prepare the food. You have a nice room. You have toilet most of, you have toilet and maybe shower. But uh, there's the the first hotel, the Hotel River Riverview. It was always there. <laughs> uh, and there, yeah, you have a warm bed, you have warm water. You have electricity most of the time. It's actually <laughs> pretty luxury. It's just no heating. Yeah, okay. Uh, but you have big blankets, or so like this is like this is a like a Rakshan blanket. Yeah. So when it's getting cold in the <laughs> night, you have blankets. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but actually it's very, very comfortable now to stay there. Mm. But yeah, two days maybe traveling.
0: Okay. You know, it's I'm part of the trip. I'm curious. I'd asked you um over email when we were preparing to do this conversation. What what would make this conversation feel? Um, what feels important to you? Why you know? Why did you want to do this? And what feels important to you to share with people? What would what would make you proud of this? Um, questions I like to ask my guests, and mm. you you focused a lot on the uh, sustainability of developing new areas. And I'm curious, what did you learn from? What have you learned, you know, in the last 20 years from seeing areas like Magic Wood change as much as they have? And what are you trying to do differently in Rocksham? What are some of the key lessons that, that you've learned? And what do you want to pass on to people who, you know, who, who just want to go to a new area like this? Um, or maybe they're out there and, and hoping to find their own new area potentially.
1: Yeah, the sustainability. Well, as I said at the beginning, I love nature and being in the nature, then I can do my sports there. Bouldering, it's a part of the game. It's bo- I, both is connected with me. And when we published Magic Woods, we didn't never we never thought that bouldering is gonna be growing so quickly mm. and that it's gonna be such a boom in this sport that at the end when I come back a few years later. My lovely magic wood changed so so dramatically for me that I thought, wow, that's, that should not be... Like uh, when I was in the university, I already wrote a thesis about tourism development in, in Austria where I also said we put everything just to make it bigger, like the biggest ski resort, another lift, another gondola. And uh, we so- Tirol is totally sold out. Like there's no... It's hard to find a natural valley in, in Tirol anymore, like even where I live. That's where you grew up. And so I, that's where I grew up, yeah. And seeing the changes in Magic Wood and some other places, also Rocklands, like Rocklands was so, so many people went there. And boom, just before the COVID, uh, some places looked really, not terrible, but... Uh, When you know it from the very beginning, it it changed so much, Mm. and I thought we must be more respectful, and we must think about the idea that we can still do the sports, but there's another generation coming, and other people uh, also wanna enjoy this place or see this place. So we must be think about it how we can preserve this a little bit more, and or just we should we must be aware of our impact what we do. Like, I'm this professional climber putting it out to the world. So that was, things think, should I ever publish this Rakshan place? So where is the responsibility there? You can ask, but I still want to share it, but hopefully we find ways and ideas that the nature and the local people are also happy and that the impact is not so big. Mm-hmm. And... And back to tourism, like when you look at Nepal, the locals most of the time didn't have something from all this tourism, like outside agencies, bring the people, bring the food, bring all the trash to the Himalayas. Mm. And then they go and the local people are not uh, having something from that. And in Raksha, I hope that uh, locals can grow with the sport and they must have a profit from that. We are tourists. and. Uh, at the end we can help them to be, develop the village a little bit like the school or the when we we must bring something back a little bit more than just some photos and a, hit, a handshake mm. we are rich people when we go to india yeah and if we give 50 euros more or dollars or 100 this is a lot of money there where you can make things happen in the village and we all have cameras and computers and iPhones. Like, okay, then we spent another $50 or $100, but then we do something positive there. So, and I really hope that, that this is happening at one point in one day.
0: Mm. <laughs> I hope to go someday. It sounds incredible. It sounds like such an experience. I mean, I, I'm imagining, um, I have to imagine no internet while you're there. You're just totally
1: unplugged. Uh, Unfortunately, it changed since three years we have internet there. You can do your work. Like India is catching up very quickly. Okay.
0: I love that you said unfortunately. Uh, Yeah. Unfortunately, now there's internet. (laughs) 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 Because yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, that's what sounds so um, especially dreamy about it is it's so hard to disconnect nowadays to find places where you're forced to um to put the phone aside to put the the laptop aside and just really mm-hmm. truly be there
1: yeah uh yeah it it really changed the whole feeling also for traveling this uh the world wide web or the internet connections mm. like also in rocklands like there was this point when we drove over it we knew okay no reception internet was not there nobody just your, you and your friends are there now the here's the communication and when you go there now, you have a Wi-Fi super high speed, and you can work. And in the evening, people are talking about what's happening in in Finland or in Switzerland, and you can watch movies. Mm. Mm. It's a different time, but uh, maybe when you go to India and you can leave the computer away, or Ma, well, you can no, you can really do your work now. Like India is catching up super quickly. Like they started from zero internet, and now. They have four G there. You can watch movies. Wow! It's so crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is crazy. Wow. When I go, I still say connection is very bad, and uh, I'm not. People don't reach me used normally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that important for you? It, it seems like it is. Periods of time where you just
1: unplug, disconnect. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very important, and yeah, I'm looking for these places where you are really totally disconnected like when the the phone is working your family can call you or you're always there with the people and as i said like bouldering or climbing or when you're really with yourself you you learn much you learn most about yourself at one point Mm. maybe when it's totally quiet all the time all the stuff is coming up and then you can see how comfortable you are without all this uh, noise around you or all these ways of entertainment. When you put all this stuff away and you're just with yourself, uh, I think it's very interesting. And maybe some people don't like this, but I think uh, I hopefully everybody wants to try that out at one point and mm. see what is behind that disconnection. Yeah. No, but I'm sure you could do a podcast in the Himalayas now too, if the locals said so.
0: That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. I'll definitely add it to my uh I mean, yeah, it's it's already high on my list. It just sounds so incredible. And it's it's getting harder to go places that have tons of untapped potential. I mean, the thought of going somewhere and being able to go on your, you know, your own little hike and potentially find something new that you can contribute. Um, and have that, mm-hmm. have that experience of putting the first chalk on holds and brushing and cleaning, it's getting harder to,
1: to find that. So that, that's really special. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. No, you should come. I think you would, you will love this place. like, wow, oh, it's a, yeah, it's a fairy tale country. It's the Shangri-La. It's the what? It's the Shangri-La, like this, have you ever read this book? Ah oh, I forgot the name. Shangri-La is this, uh hidden paradise somewhere in the himalayas where all the people are happy there is no illness they are so connected all the time with the with the environment mm. so we call it the shangri-la at the beginning actually <laughs> no in my top I, I wrote in my topo shangri-la yeah, yeah it's the shangri-la <laughs> and i'm working on the topo now okay like uh, i will I will also give out those informations because people probably need this. Mm. So I'm going to make a little book, like no online stuff. i make a little book and maybe end of the year or latest next year, you can get it in Rakshan. Okay. All the informations and finding the ways there. That's awesome. That's great. When
0: is the best time of the year to go?
1: Mm, I love September, October till November. But also springtime, like now Now is a girl from Vienna. My friends from India are are already there uh, cleaning and brushing. (laughs) (laughs) But when you wanna have the the cool, like you can climb most of the time, but you wanna have the good friction and try hard, September, October into November is the best time. Okay. It's like the fall season we have in Europe or in the States, it's the same there.
0: Do you think you'll go back every
1: year for the rest of your life? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to make a break this year, but now uh, two friends who have been there five years back, like two friends from my village, I teach them climbing, they want to go. So I go now with them because <laughs> uh, this is the, the best crew I can have. <laughs> oh, amazing. That's awesome. So I go again, but I was, I was now every year since 2010, yeah. Wow. Only one year I missed out with COVID, but I was there every year for two, three, four months. Wow. Incredible. So, so I can imagine going back every, every year, but uh, I'm also looking for something new. Mm. I need some new inspirations, I think, too. Okay. Yeah. But uh, locals still need a little help. Not help. Uh, at one point, my idea, the local people should manage that, like with, it's not a park yet, but with this guy at the beginning, you want to have a guide a little bit because when you see magic woods, people still get lost there, and this place is a few magic woods in a row. Mm. So at the beginning, the guide should show you the main trails to find the sectors, mm. and uh, maybe after two days, you don't need them anymore. But so it's also a good way to connect with really with the locals. And all these locals are very happy to to meet foreigners, climbers, like there are not so many climbers in, in India. So for them, it's just crazy to meet a person from the States or from Europe, or uh, they're happy to show and share. <laughs> and they will tell you those rules must stay on the trail and mud trash and these things. And then after two days, you can go by your own. Mm. Oh, that's a great system. That's awesome.
0: And are the locals yeah. getting interested in climbing themselves?
1: Yeah. Uh, with the permit we collected two years ago, like we paid, we sent now four young persons from the village to the mountain guiding course in India. <laughs> and uh, we paid it. So no, they are interested in, so I really hope they it's growing there. And uh, I will ask Ben Moon if he gives me a... A moon wall for this little village up there. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd
0: be awesome.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so that the British can give something back to India. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Got a hundred-year-old train and a moonboard. That's incredible.
1: <laughs> oh man. No, it would be cool if the if the more locals start. But yeah, those four people finish their mountain guide courses. And with the permits we paid. So I think it's a very good uh, return of invest. And we will be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Rocky Talkie. Rocky Talkies are backcountry radios designed by a small team of climbers from Denver, Colorado. I love these things. I never thought I'd be going back to using radios in the year 2023, but these things are awesome. Here's the deal, we all have phones, but sometimes phones aren't very helpful. Let's say you're climbing a multi-pitch or you're backcountry skiing and don't wanna drop your phone in the snow or you're mountain biking, and it's a pain to stop and get your phone out, or you don't have service. Phones are not always the best option. The best way to communicate in the backcountry is with Rocky talkies. These things are made by climbers for climbers. They're super compact. They weigh less than half a pound. They come with a built-in carabiner, so you can easily clip them to your pack or harness. And the battery lasts over three days, even in winter conditions so cool. I actually used these bouldering and Waco tanks this winter. There were a few times when I made plans to meet up with friends at the boulders. I knew I wouldn't have cell reception and the Rocky Talkies worked perfectly and they're so much fun. I'm a huge fan. Get 10% off your first pair of Rocky Talkies by going to rockytalkiecom nugget. That's rockytalkiecom nugget for 10% off your first order of backcountry radios. This episode is brought to you by Rumpel. Rumpel is on a mission to introduce the world to Better Blankets. And I think they've done that. My Rumpel blanket is literally one of my favorite things I own. It's so cozy. It's like having the coziness of a puffy sleeping bag with you wherever you go. Rumpel's original puffy blanket is made of the same materials as your favorite outdoor gear. It pairs durable 20D ripstop nylon with a durable water repellent finish. So it's water resistant, stain resistant, and odor resistant. This thing's amazing, it'll be your new favorite blanket whatever the circumstances, even if you just use it at the house, it's the best. Also, Rumple has branched out and makes a ton of other amazing products. The Nanoloft Travel Blanket is the size of a Nalgene when packed down and can travel with you literally anywhere. And the Nanoloft Flame Blanket, that's the one I have, has a fire-resistant top layer so you can sit next to a campfire with your puffy blanket and not have to worry about burn holes. Amazing. I also have the everywhere mat. This thing is a perfect little porch for my van. It's also perfect for a picnic or for hanging out at the crag. And the everywhere towel is super handy as well. This thing takes up no room at all. It's a full-size towel. It's so convenient for travel. It dries super quickly. And if you're like me and live in a van, it's a total must have. I actually got rid of my regular towel because this thing was better. I just love Rumpel. Everything they make is amazing. Go to rumplecom slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's 10% off your first order when you go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout. And now back to the show. Do you have projects there? Like, do you, do you have like a running list of climbs that you've tried or looked at that you are excited to go back to?
1: Yeah, it's never ending there. So but I try now after this first try. I think maybe this year I look for something new. Maybe I go and just brush a new sector. Because there's still a lot of projects there. It's uh it's really so many hard, like two move eight C's, two move eight B pluses. Like I'm a bit stuck on those lines. And I will try some of them, of course. But uh I noticed last year we we started brushing just a new sector and I noticed, oh, actually, there is where my happiness comes from. Mm. Like this brushing and maybe do it one, two days later or something like that. And when I feel good and psyched, uh, of course, i I going to try some of these last projects I, in my mind. And for the next generation, I could show them some stuff. I know I can't do it, but the next generation for sure can finish it.
0: Why do you say that is it i mean are these v17s like two move v17s or something what what makes you say
1: that uh i i tried them already some of them but uh, at one point in hard bouldering i um, i don't have to reach i think mm. it could be an excuse but i think in hard bouldering like at one point when there's limited foot placements and holds So I think a person with a little bit more span, he probably reaches like, like I'm close to do the moves, but it will take me another thousand tries. Maybe I can do it, but (laughs) no. (laughs) And if then somebody is just a little bit bigger, I can do it Uh. more quicker, I think. Okay. And there are some some walls I see holds. Uh, I think it's possible, yeah. And it's beautiful you have different kind of granite in the same forest like it's really crazy Hmm. Uh, i don't know how this actually happened how this is possible but you have different granites on on each side of the valley and in the same forest the, the rock quality is changing like the quality is great but the shape or the friction uh is is changing it's really uh incredible (laughs) <laughs> and there are just too many projects for me it's uh no <laughs> i did already a lot <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> that's awesome it was fun to see Giuliano and uh and uh melissa melissa um out mm-hmm. there trying these things were they were they excited do you think they're they're going to go back to these areas
1: hmm. well hopefully they come back Machuliano focused more on this hard first ascent, like he did not, he tried some of the other stuff, but uh, the first, we have been in September, so we had a little bit of rain there, so at the end they only had one month or five weeks of uh, good conditions, so they did not see a lot of the whole place, I think, I showed them all the sectors, but I don't think they have seen the potential yet, and it's on 3000 meters, like the breath and everything and the carrying the stuff is a bit uh, more, takes a bit more power. So, and they focused on the projects and have been not so much running around. Like Mm. I spent, I spent already two and a half years, nearly three years in the village. Like I was running around a lot Mm. and I've, I've seen so many rock faces and boulders. So no, uh, no, they didn't contact me at week. It was also a filming project, and uh, at one point, it was a little bit of work, and uh, I did not push them, but uh, maybe I pushed them a little bit, and yeah, let's see. Hopefully, they come back. <laughs> I really like both of them, but uh, we also had a little issue, So, but I hope I think it's fine now. Okay. <laughs> 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 That's
0: great. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I want to I want to ask about some of your greatest climbing highlights. Specifically, I'm curious about uh the Boulder Shantaram in Norway, which was your first ascent in 2013 because you called it the best you called it the highlight of your climbing career and I actually read in another um, interview, a written interview with you, that you called it the best boulder in the world, and I was like, "Wow, that is one hell of a statement. That's incredible." So I have to hear about this thing. Uh, tell me about Shantaram. How did you how did you first
1: find it and hmm. uh, come to start trying it? I was in Norway, 2010. Like this is near Trondheim, and. I fell in love with, with Norway, like you have the sea, you have the mountains, the landscape is so beautiful. Uh, first, landscape is just unimaginable beautiful. And then we had a boat at that time and we drove around on the boat to this little island. And then a Shantram, a friend of mine, like a local Torsten Aide, he is like the boulder of the Trondheim place, like the very North Norway. He showed me this rock and but just imagine, there's a little island. You hike half an hour this way; it's finished, and maybe another half an hour this way; it's finished. <laughs> Far out there, crazy landscape. And on this island, there are three rocks, three boulders. And this is like this is a yeah, like a house. It's like a big house, like the size of a house table rock, standing on a on a shoulder, which makes a huge overhang, and. Like the granite is so amazing, beautiful there. Like Norway is the oldest granite in the world. Like it's uh, where it actually starts. And so the shapes and the forms are really beautiful and soft to touch. Like normally all those hard boulders have like crimps or there's a hard move or it's taking your skin or it's a little bit painful. On this boulder, you can try three days in a row. Wow to have fun and there are some dreams and it's very powerful the movements the line and then you're just out there alone on this island like there's nobody around like nobody's living on this island anymore i'm not even sure if there are still boats going there like when i did it there's like uh in europe we have buses they drive from village to village and in norway you have like a boat it drives there in the morning maybe midday and in the night so we have those three occasions to hit the island. And as I said, I've, I love this loneliness out there and just be totally in this, totally focused on this, on this rock, but the shape and the holes and yeah, I think it's really about the holes, there will be still some projects there. and. A boulder you can try three days in a row just because it's so much fun it's hard to find
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it looks incredible i watched your i watched your video um i'll link to to it for people it's like three minutes long you can see um climbing the pieces of it and then doing the the first ascent yeah you're climbing like the underside of almost a suspended boulder it's leaning against something so you can climb the whole underside of it and it's really long it's like 23 moves or something
1: hmm yeah it's 23 24 moves long it's longer than dream time so it's a very sustainable boulder problem and it's really at the beginning this is roof climbing like on the video in internet you don't see i just put a gopro on the site mm. and you think you climbed the wall but at the end it's it starts like a big roof climbing at the end it's 45 50 degrees deep and it's like a super powerful boulder problem and uh yeah, yeah, it was a big fight that I finished this line. <laughs> and uh, I did not really grade it. I don't know. Yeah, I graded it later. I think Nikki Cheria then repeated it and they thought, wow, this is maybe really so hard. Because I thought maybe I just have no endurance and it's not my style. Mm. So I was not sure about the difficulty, but it seems uh, it's really hard till the end. Mm. And But it's so beautiful to climb and the holds you have and the movements. Uh, and it's cool to climb such a long boulder too
0: is that what it is for you it's the the rock the shapes and the movement is that what really sets it apart I
1: mean I guess the whole experience of being on this little island and it just sounds incredible yeah I think the whole experience first place and when you see this rock in real it's it's mind-blowing like Mm. it's so big there would be still one or two lines on this rock because it's it's not done yet you can boulder all around it another way too <laughs> wow. and just be just being there and looking on the ocean and being with the elements yeah i i really like this part of bouldering and so i thought this is show me a better place or show me a better boulder problem i would be happy to see <laughs>
0: <laughs> were you just d- describe what the process was like were you just out there living on this island by yourself
1: uh, it was not possible to live on the island i i, I camped there sometimes for one night two nights in a, in a in a cave so uh actually no i camped when i went there i camped for two nights then i went back to the mainland and a friend of mine had there like a little norwegian hut so there i stayed there to recover was running and then he actually at one point had like a little boat and uh, he, uh, so we had our own boat and we didn't have the problems with the other people bringing us to the island. And he took me there sometimes, but it was like this little nutshell huh, with this. It's not difficult to drive these boats, but the, the day I did it and I, it was, I had, I know I had to leave Norway soon and I didn't finish it. I actually thought, yeah, it's maybe not happening, but it was a stormy day. And I was living in the harbor, and I looked in the harbor. It was not so windy, and the waves were not so big. And then it was the first time. Fuck! I have to drive there by myself today. I gotta <laughs> do this now. <laughs> so I put the crash pads on the boat, drove out of the harbor like very. Oh, I can't control it. I I can't do it. Then I I hit the sea, and the waves have been bigger. And I was like, "Fuck!" It. Uh, I nearly crashed the boat <laughs> when I entered the the island. <laughs> so I entered the island probably a lot of adrenaline already. Yeah
0: a lot of adrenaline was, already. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then I had some tries, but it didn't work out. And same like dream time. It's interesting that you think you learned the lesson but you didn't. I gave it up, I said, uh, oh, this is not happening anymore. I packed already, my stuff was on the way to the boat and thought, yeah, why not to try? It's actually such a cool boulder anyway. I went back, placed this one crash pad and I, I climbed it. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> I,
0: I did notice that in your video. I was like, he's got one crash pad on a 23 move long roof boulder that covers tons of ground. And you're like doing the crux and like topping out the end of the boulder, or at least the red point crux, and you're just not over the crash pad at all. <laughs> I thought that was no. kind of funny. I noticed that. I was like, oh, <laughs> must
1: yeah, be a this, remote spot. We, this is very remote. And well, I never had so many crash pads all the time. So we always think, okay, where is the falling spot where you can fall? And there was always a point, okay, from there you should not fall. It's going to hurt. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was difficult like in between friends met me and supported me or spotted me but uh, uh, we didn't have so many crash pads to put up the whole landing zone mm. anyway so we keep it simple basic. yeah but I had some hard falls there too so that's it never happened something but I had some falls on the ground yeah Too. But uh, it was all fine.
0: Well, I, I wanted to ask you about your injury in 2015. This would have been a couple years later. Um, but that's mm-hmm. something that I don't think I knew about you before I started doing my homework. And, um, I, you know, I, I knew s- some of your climbing achievements and things like that, but I didn't know about your injury. And yeah, you said that you you basically have started climbing twice in your life. You started, obviously, when you first started and then In 2016, the the doctors told you that you would never climb hard again, um, and you kind of had to start over again. Um, I actually got a listener question about this very thing. This is from Simon. Simon writes, I would love to hear about his 490-day recovery from the fall he had in 2015 and the subsequent first ascent of Into the Sun, specifically... I'd like to hear about his recovery process and why he chose such a scary project after
1: recovering from a really bad injury.
0: So yeah, can you tell us about your your injury and what happened?
1: Uh, I had a bad fall, not even on a high ball. Uh, I just tried a project in Cristiano and uh, I was high up uh, and I just fell down like a buck on my back, like from three or four meters, I fell flat on my back on a crash pad but with the impact, I made another roll into the into the rocks. Mm. And uh, it didn't feel so bad at the beginning. Like I was standing up, my first thought was, okay, Zanger, this should not happen again. This kind of fall is not good and not healthy in your age. And I went home normally, and uh, it uh, didn't feel like something special happened. But uh, a few days later, uh, how many days later? A few days later, I, I I I looked in the mirror and I had red eyes, like completely, I had bloody eyes and said, fuck, what's happening now? Huh? And uh, I, I felt not good here. Like it was totally tough. And uh, then I went to the doctors and then I had like, a, I had a bad, like on the fifth and sixth vertebra, I had like a, a really big problem there. Mm. So they told me, I was lucky not to be uh, totally, that I can still move. Paralyzed. Like a little bit more, and I would have been paralyzed from there. Wow. And they told me, yeah, this is, uh, you have been very lucky, but nobody saw a few days later, suddenly my hand started shaking, and I thought, "What's, what's happening now? Like, totally uncontrolled, like this hand was shaking like And that was the time the nerves died on this, on my left side. And uh, I lost all the muscles on my left shoulder, like the, what is the main muscle? Like the Teres Major, the uh, the anterior muscles here. And 10 days later, I could not lift off one kilogram with this hand. Wow, Like it was totally uh, unmovable anymore. And then, okay, what's what's going on here? We, we, I did not know. So I had some doctors and we thought this is coming back. My The problem on the vertebra was good after five or six weeks. But uh, then we noticed I have no power anymore in my left hand. It's totally gone. And then we saw, fuck, all these muscles have been gone too. Like, a, what is the English? A muscle at, at, atrophy, atrophy, they call it in English. Atrophy. Mm-hmm. So all the main muscles from this hand have been gone. And I thought, yeah, I just, I was very naive. eh? And I just started training a little bit and talked with some doctors. I went to Red Bull, like they have some of the best scientists and doctors around. Mm. And they said, yeah, just do a normal physio training. Maybe it comes. And then we made the test and then we saw these muscles are not connected anymore. Like the nerves Mm. Uh, I destroyed the nerves with the impact of the fall. I destroyed the nerves and it just took a week or 10 days till this totally was gone. And this is called the Engelschulter in, in the German. And this was not repairable. Like, uh, in the chirurgie, in the medicine, mm. they are still trying out how to do it. But, uh, they told me this is never that these nerves will never come back. Like these muscles are gone now. Mm. This will not happen. And I just didn't believe them. (laughs) I I was, I don't know how to explain. It was like, I climbed now for 25 years just because I fell down this rock. How could it be possible? It's finished now. Like, Mm. yeah, but it was finished. Like I went then to India. I did half a year of really hard physio programming. And after one year hard training, I, I said, okay, it's really not, not like I never trained so much in my life, but maybe at the end I could lift up two kilograms with this hand. But when I was trying to block, it was like going through with no resistance. Like I could not hold my body weight or I could not hold five kilos. So I thought, okay, maybe it's really finished, but, uh, I don't. I think medicine is really good nowadays and really far, but there are different ways of medicine. And I think our minds, if they're open to this, they can do much more. And I think the healing of the future will could function differently. And uh, I did a lot of yoga. I studied all these yogic books already before, like I did pranayama, I did meditation. I read all these crazy stories about these Indian yogis so maybe this was already inside me and I believed. So maybe I'm, if, they, if these yogis can do this, why? Maybe this comes back when I go this way. I believed in that. But to make it short now, uh, in Switzerland, they have people like they call him a healer, where they, they pray. And I went to a healer one day and I had a two day session with him. And there it already started working. Wow. Like suddenly this hand was, like he was praying with Jesus. Like uh, he's connected with God and Jesus. And like no, reading, studied all those religions. I'm still connected with Jesus just as a normal person. Not, I'm not a Christ going to church, but I think there was a person who did just really ridiculous really cool things. And after this healing, then he told me, yeah, The rest you can do by yourself. Do these meditations, believe and pray. And this is what I did for two months. Every day I meditated for three, four, five hours. It's hard to explain. And I would try to send, I thought I sent energy to this point. Like At the end, I really knew where where this nerves problem is. And I totally focused on that. And after two months, like just by concentration, I was able to bring in vibration to this part of my body. And maybe it was just because I prayed before with Jesus, but somehow this happened. And then it felt better and stronger. And then I went to, I was visiting Fred Nicole in Zürich. And on the way back, I was was not in my best, I was a little depressed maybe all the time, like not in your best mood because you're not sure. And I just hiked through this valley and I, I visited this old place where I already t- did some boulders and looked at the wall and thought, oh, wow, maybe one day I can try again. And I had the climbing stuff in my car. I put on shoes and just played around and then suddenly I could do a move and thought, wow. I just did this move, and it was so mind blowing. It was I was so happy just that I was able to do this move, like I was locking a hold and crossed. And then it was for me. It was sure, wow! I can I can climb again. And then I, I just got so psyched and trained. I then I went to this wall, and uh, it, then it into the sun came out. Yeah, which was a really, actually one of the most dangerous. Roots or boulders, I did. I think, <laughs> but I was sure I can do it. Mm. It's it's really hard to explain. Huh? It's a bit crazy <laughs> to do this after such an accident. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> do you want to describe? Do you want to describe it for people? I'll uh, I'll link to yeah. your video of it too
1: for people that want to see you do it. But um, yeah,
0: it's a it's a very unique climb.
1: Yeah, it's uh We always we we have been bouldering on this wall for 15 years already but we we only climbed up like three four meters to a good hold and then the project was climbing up to four meters like we never succeeded till that but then you see the holds going further like i always saw a line crossing the whole huge wall and i had this in my mind from the very beginning when you see the wall and then i just choose this as my project like i started climbing there and I got so psyched and I did the boulder then and I was so psyched and then I just wanted to finish it and I was sure I can do it like the preparation for that when I do highballs or those things look crazy from for outsiders but when I do them I'm a hundred percent sure like the preparation you put in it's a feeling and I trust this feeling, not my mind, when I do those things. Mm. When the feeling is good, I keep on climbing. When the feeling is not good, I would stop. But uh, it was just such so much love that I can climb again. And I, <laughs> I know I can do. And then this line is unique. It's really a very unique climb, like a tread climb. And for me, a boulder always had to have a top out, like finishing off in the wall, Yeah, you always know it's not finished yet, (laughs) and the only way to finish it uh, was the rope, or maybe maybe you can carry twenty crash beds there, and you can also boulder this whole thing. But also, twenty crash bed is not something uh, I want to organize. So I'm an old style climber. Like I think it's more real. Okay, then it's a trad climb when you don't. It's you can protect it. Not, not very, not 100%, but very good. I don't want to place bolts because there are cracks you can put in cams and friends. And I was just, uh, I was sure I can do it. (laughs) And I was passionate and one crazy day, also in April, April, 2017, I did it then. (laughs) And it was the last risky thing I think I did since then. Yeah. Okay. but it's not about take, taking the risk it's this feeling like I told you, sometimes you go climbing and everything feels so light and easy mm. and you know you're totally in the movement, you don't feel the difficulty and that's the way I do the high highballs like I start and you know when you are in you feel it you can still do the moves but it's too much power and sometimes you start and you just you are in, and then I think I'm in a safe spot. Mm. And I do a lot of concentration work, and I do a lot of meditation. So maybe all those little things help me to, like, I'm not afraid. Like I'm, I'm so concentrated that uh, I think it's a safe when I do it. Yeah, I never, never something happened doing high balls. So I think I made it good. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, that makes sense. I I resonate with that. I know what you're saying. It's hard for people that don't climb or don't climb high balls or don't have as much experience. So I think it's hard for them to understand that. I mean, it goes, it's really Mm -hmm. similar to how, you know, Alex Honnold describes his free soloing. It's like the whole point is to make sure that everything is perfect and that it's secure and safe and Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think he feels like he takes very many actual risks but from the outside it's like well yeah you're gonna you know you're risking your life every time you go up there sort of thing but Mm -hmm. but yeah with all that preparation and and thoughtfulness
1: I think that makes sense
0: Mm
1: -hmm. no I I knew from the beginning like I'm stronger already than the difficulty needs Mm. like I have the physical ability to do this easily now but then it's the point that you wait, that that this feeling is here. I don't know, this is really hard to describe. It's Mm. not here all the time, it would be nice. But when this feeling is here, you're in this safe box, I think Mm. you're totally controlled and you feel comfortable and relaxed when you do it. And yeah, you just have to go a few times that maybe this feeling happens at all. But, uh, But I knew I'm already stronger. It's not about the kick when you're up there, like there is no adrenaline or no rush that yeah, I did this crazy stuff now. It's, I just did what I imagined before. Mm. And also makes me very happy, but there's no adrenaline or some kick involved doing those things. Yeah. Because then I think you are on the more dangerous side. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's that easiness that
0: you talked about before.
1: Yeah, Yeah. That's great. To enter the easiness. Enter the easiness. (laughs)
0: I love that idea. I I really love that idea. Yeah, I mean, it's so many ways to talk about that. I think you're talking about flow state, um, being present. Um, It's kind of all the same thing, but yeah, connecting to the easiness. I think that's great. Um, I'll fill in a little more context for people that haven't seen your video and I'll link to the video again for for those of you that want to watch it. Just go check out the show notes. It'll be there. It's called Into the Sun and Mm -hmm. basically um, Baron just You know, he's got four or five crash pads and he climbs the first four meters of this really beautiful overhanging looking, you know, tall boulder, looks really difficult Um, with a harness on with a rope connected to him, but no gear. So he's just bouldering above crash pads and then gets up to four meters in this big jug and pulls up some trad gear that's attached to the rope, clips it to his harness. Someone puts him on belay and then he trad climbs to the top. So it's kind of a hybrid, like hard boulder problem,
1: trad climb. It's really unique, but uh, maybe the measurements, like the the first gear you put up on seven meters. Seven meters, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah. The first four, the first four meters, you can fall. Like there's a, it's a. Eight, they say now it's a eight B plus boulder problem. The okay. first part, and then the top part is easy for an endurance climber, I think. But I had a little fight. Mm because placing placing the gear while going uh was pumpy for me mm-hmm. so that was actually the risk mm. not getting too pumped and I think it actually it would be easier to solo the whole thing because then you don't spend time placing the gear, but I didn't had uh I didn't want to do that yeah, yeah
0: well that's that's really interesting. When did you do twenty nine dots?
1: Before my accident. No, oh, before your ex- accident. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> that makes t- sense. 2000- 2015. Oh, okay. It was one of my was one of my strongest years in climbing. Like I did 29 dots. I did a boulder in India. I tried also for five, six, seven years. Maybe the hardest boulder there. And I did some really beautiful stuff. And then I came back and f- fell down. Fell on the ground. Mm. So, but 29 dots, yeah, it's also, it's this idea to make this a boulder is a bit hard to see, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I do wanna talk about that. So this thing, and again, yeah, I'll link to this video too, it's like three minutes long. And this is, you know, you, you, you bouldered this thing. It reminds me of some of the most cutting edge stuff in Bishop, California, maybe like ambrosia or too big to flail. But this thing is 14 meters tall, so 45 feet. And watching you climb it, I'm like, this could easily have six or seven bolts in it. And then I was reading, I think, one of your interviews about it, and it sounds like Tony Lamprecht had actually bolted a sport route on that same boulder on the left side of it. So why did you decide
1: to boulder it? Hmm. It, it was not in, the, in my mind from the very first, at the beginning, but... Uh, I just checked out the moves and the holds. Like I also tried it actually ground up, like old English style. Back in the days we tried to do this stuff ground up, but this was too difficult. And uh, then I rappelled down and saw the holes in the middle. I tried the sequence and found oh, this is possible. And the top out, like on seven meters, the main difficulty, maybe eight meters, the main difficulty is really finished. Like once you had this, get this crimper on eight meters, you you should not make a mistake. You sh- you will top it out. So it's actually then only eight meters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, there was also this 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 on my video. I think you still see this 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 uh, double T frame, this iron thing standing out of the ground. I think on my video you see it. There was also a little risk to fall on this. No, I think it's about this, about controlling, like knowing what you can do and uh, knowing when you are in this moment that you you are controlling it. And we have the power to do it. You must find the right mindset. And really, it's when you see me climbing, it does not look very hard, I think. Mm-hmm. When you watch me, uh, I just entered this state which I don't do all the time. This is every few years or I'm not looking for high bolts, but this this line, when you stay below it, it just looks so intimidating. And at one point, yeah, difficulty is finished at eight meters. You should, you should boulder it actually. It should, it's possible to do it like this. So it's only this idea and placing bolts, like the first part is so hard. It's not nice to make a to put in bolts anyway, <laughs> mm. when it's not necessary. No, I don't know. It was a crazy thing. This was maybe a, a crazy thing I ever did, but it's mm. such a beautiful and intimidating piece it looks of rock. Stunning,
0: yeah. Certainly yeah. one of the the greatest highballs in the world. I mean,
1: it just looks absolutely incredible. I think so too. And maybe this I have, was in my heart somewhere, so I wanted to boulder it. Mm. And the 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 last 7 meters you just need to be very controlled and i can be very controlled i think mm-hmm. like keep my concentration on a long level mm. and and you know when when you enter this spot uh you don't care it's you keep on it's like then hanold climbs 1000 meters mm. <laughs> it's maybe not in the same difficulty but you just know you can do it mm-hmm. and uh, i had i made many tries like I was fighting up the first... I was fighting a few times till the crux, but it was with too much force. Like, it was not easy. I could do it with the power. And on that day, I started and everything just felt very smooth. Mm. And I keep on. Because when I don't feel this easiness, I jump down. I, I don't maybe make another try, but I I leave it for the day.
0: That's. I mean, that takes an incredible amount of self-control. Is that... Where, where do you think that comes from?
1: Mm, I think from bouldering, because really the stuff we bouldered also in magic wood, like I think I'm a safe boulder. Like we, nowadays you see all those, these tons of crash beds and you can jump down four or five meters. Like we never had this. We always had a spot. Okay that certain height, you should not fall. You should know what you do. And I bouldered so much alone. Like when you climb so much alone, you have to learn this. Mm-hmm. And uh, for sure, I could have done things faster or quicker. But when you are alone, yeah, I love my life. So <laughs> I jumped down many times because of no spotters or mm-hmm. less crash pads Yeah, before I finally... Like I'm not jumping to this hold and risking to catch it, uh, I need to do it controlled. So it's a, a different style of climbing, I think, than nowadays. It would have been cool to climb so when you know you're safe, you just jump. With Steini, it was cool. Like Steini, Steini was uh, 185, 90 kilogram. If he would still always join me, I would have done the stuff more quicker. Because <laughs> Sh- Steini always catched me in any <laughs> risky positions. We we had a cordless pad and a what was Metolius pad, like thirty centimeters of foam and all the stuff. Like there was no mondo pad and all those things. Like with right. Steini was cool. Like he just catched me out in the air and put me on the ground. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What is the uh, what is the difficulty of twenty nine dots? Just for context for people, I think I read eight A plus, like V thirteen.
1: Yeah, I think Gabriel repeated it. He he thought it's eight A plus. Yeah, I had a feeling it's eight B, but I did it in May. It was way too warm for those little crimps. Like, uh, you should do it in winter time. It's very small holes with mm. good conditions. The risk I took, it was May, so. So I waited for the wind and I thought, yeah, maybe it's not. Because I knew when it's cold, you can do it much more safer. Mm -hmm. I I only could make one try, two tries, then it was the skin was done anyway. Okay. So, but they think it's still 8A plus boulder problem. So I was not far away.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And my my mistake, so 8A plus would be V12, 8B would be V13, so somewhere in that range. Yeah. Yeah, 8A plus. Man, one of the most, that makes it one of the hardest... Tallest, most incredible highballs in the world, for sure. Yeah. Ah, uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It looks so beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a king line. Yes, king line. Say. Mm-hmm. It's a king line.
0: Well, I I didn't acknowledge this while you were talking, um, but yeah, incredible to hear about your injury story, and it makes sense now that twenty nine dots was be- before the injury, because I was curious how that fit into the the timeline there. Um, but yeah, thanks for sharing all that. I mean, it just ties into what we talked about at the start of the conversation, like that kind of, I don't know, just these like mystical qualities of life that are really hard to understand. And I grew up, I grew up in a Christian upbringing and I no longer feel like I'm a religious person, but I do still feel like I'm a very spiritual person. And I don't know how to explain or describe or i don't i don't really feel like i need to understand things like your experience you know or or what actually happened there it's just i think it's just amazing what can happen when you're willing to open yourself up and um i don't know the power that we have the power of the mind the power of connecting more deeply with our bodies um with our own spirit whatever, maybe it sounds really woo-woo to some people and they have a more scientific explanation, but um, I mean, it just, there's just too many stories like yours to just write it all off, you know, as Mm -hmm. um, at at least for me, I I think there's something, there's definitely something there and just incredible that you're able to make a full recovery what what happened after you started reconnecting and started climbing again and your your arm started firing again? Did it take time to build the strength back, or did all that previous year of training kick in?
1: Mm. No, it took me. Like the main strength probably came back, like because uh, it's really an eight B plus boulder problem. This uh, this into the sun at the start, so the finger power was here. The finger power I did not really uh, lose. So that I kept I kept but my sh- shoulder strange was uh, away for some time but maybe after a year two years it was back then but uh, I was also getting older
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah how old are you now you're 43
1: is that right uh, Yeah I'm getting 44 this year 44 yeah Yeah oh yes <laughs> but uh yeah but uh when you see those crazy things in Japan and uh, in India and these monks, what they are doing. So maybe it would be good for people to look at those things. It opens up the mind what mm. is actually... I think our minds would be so much capable of many things, even healing and compassion and helping each other or helping yourself. We we grew up in a very... yeah everything must be proved and mm. science is proving a lot. But I think in the next year, science there is already doing, like in the microscience or in the quantum physics, it's crazy what's going on there and what theories are coming out. It will open in the future. So maybe it's mm. the East and the West can connect with all those informations. It will bring more understanding. But I think understanding is a little part of our minds. Mm. The rest is happening somewhere else. I love that. my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I, I totally agree. And I love the idea of the East and the West connecting. Um, I think we're, I think we're really arrogant as Westerners to think that if we don't have an, a clear, obvious understanding of something through science, then, then it must not be, you know, we're, we're just so quick to write things off if they're not clear and obvious, but I think there's just so many layers of, of science or of, whatever, of physics, of laws of nature, um, that probably can be explained by science someday, but that we just totally don't understand yet. And, um, hmm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think there's some arrogance in thinking that the, some of the old wisdom, um, or that, that the new wisdom and that the scientific understanding trumps all of the old wisdom, you know, it's, I think a lot's being mm-hmm. or has been lost and I I'm really hopeful that it comes back. Yeah, with so many things. I mean like uh, you know for me the area where I've focused most on this and find it find it most interesting is like diet, nutrition, lifestyle, the way that what we consume and what we engage in affects our health. Like we we still have so much to learn about what all is connected and you know we think that the mm-hmm. only thing that food affects is our weight and it does so many other things. The things we put in our body affects our mood and our skin and all, you know, everything it's the stuff Mm. that makes us us. So anyway, yeah, I love the, I love that idea of the East and West connecting. I hope that happens too. It will
1: happen. It will happen. It must happen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So you, uh, you are 43 turning 44. I'm 33 turning 34 um, this year and it sounds like you're still just climbing super hard and um, enjoying climbing and, and having a really fulfilling life of climbing. Uh, you did you know probably the hardest single move in climbing in this last year. <laughs> uh, took you a thousand tries, but you but you did it. Um, do you have any advice for me and for other people listening that just want to continue to enjoy their climbing and grow as a climber and as a person? you know, maybe younger people that are, that are leaving their 20s and getting into their 30s or th- leaving their 30s into their 40s. Do you have any advice?
1: Hmm. I think a healthy life is for sure helping you in the later in the days. Uh, I think being conscious, being aware already will give you a lot of more energy and powers and then climbing. And I also, I still have to learn this lesson I think, what is driving you to climb? Is it the fun of movement, the fun of going there, or is it just the 6B or the 7A or the the number of the grade, or is it the coolness of the moves or the line? I think, what is motivating you? So, I'm still, I still see just so many lines and it's always, maybe this is possible, maybe. It's like, a more like a picturesque, I see a rock and I see a line and maybe i can still try it (laughs) so the my way to the sport and we did not have the the numbers and grades at the beginning we really had like uh it's possible it's not possible it's i can do it like we had those three grades at the beginning
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's possible uh, it's not possible and i can do it that's (laughs) that's great
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, it was, this was really uh, our the way we climbed at the beginning. And I always have to remind myself that there the climbing and the fun started. Like I told you, I have a, it's actually crazy to give so many tries on this boulder. But after I did this first try last year, I just started brushing. And brushing is work yeah, with leathers and there and just discovering this rock and looking for holes this is where my passion actually started and when i do this i'm totally back in when i was 20 years uh 20 years old Mm. Uh, i had the most fun brushing holes i think brushing is part of bouldering because you don't know what you find Mm. so sometimes you think well hopefully a hole is coming and sometimes you think uh hopefully no hole is coming (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's already enough Yeah. so you, you see the, the mind games in this <laughs> uh, yeah for me traveling other places like Raksham for sure was I started re- climbing there again because it's so huge and we not only developed hard boulders it's boulders for all grades like my friend started climbing we brushed 5A boulders for the locals uh, yeah it's just nice to have be out in the forest with friends, clean a boulder, try together, support each other. Maybe this year I do more easier boulders Mm. to climb more. I I have the feeling I need to climb more, not get stuck on these projects. Mm. But healthy life, like uh, I'm pretty sure I through through this Buddhist and this uh, Indian influences, I think there are many ways you can live a very good life, like also health like sugar, sugar, wheat like I tested out a lot of things, and I know what is helping me in certain and now I see actually my life the food I eat, what I drink is pretty good in a very healthy way uh I'm for sure this is very very good. Can you Not talk a little bit too much?
0: Can you you talk a little bit more about that? Like what are the things that feel important to you from just a health and feeling good standpoint as far as nutrition or or just
1: lifestyle things? Mm, I'm actually a vegetarian, more on the vegan side, I must say. So I I really think meat is not so important as everybody is saying or this protein. Hmm. When you have your egg or two eggs, it's enough, I think i was actually vegan for very strict vegan for nine months i tried it out i put on weight and i got stronger hmm. in this time like wow i was i surprised myself uh a lot of uh like fruits and vegetables and i, I tried to not to have sugar like no sugar and no what is the english word wheat like the the nice bread, the nice pastries we love. I love cakes, I must say. But uh, when you leave all that stuff away, you maybe feel that it's really good for your body. Hmm. Like I, I do a body cleaning every year now, but I'm 40. When I was young, I did not do that. But now uh, I did like a body cleaning where you just eat a lot of green stuff and drinks, healthy drinks, and it helped. It I just felt very good afterwards. what you eat is what you are. Mm. What you eat is where your energy comes from. Uh, Everything is connected. What you drink. Like, uh, I still like a glass of wine sometimes, but uh, I did not drink alcohol for a year. I just tested it out. And then I was drinking a glass of wine later. And while I was drinking, I could feel where the wine was going in my mind. Whoa. And I had head. I had headache. Like you get so sensible. Mm. Maybe it's not good to get so sensible, but it, this should be just a, uh, just an example. Uh, now I drink sometimes. I love a glass of wine, or, or when I'm with some friends, I will drink my little beer. But all these are all things I'm not uh, using too much. Uh, I do a lot of meditation, and uh, I love that actually. Mm.
0: It is. It is. Um... <laughs> It is fascinating how much uh, enjoyment you can get out of meditation, isn't it? I mean, it's something I have done regularly at times and I, I, I don't know. It's one of those things that I really enjoy and for some reason have a hard time doing consistently. <laughs> I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like, I like this. Why is it hard for me to do it all the time? But um, it is really interesting how like, pleasurable it can be to just sit and do nothing and just kind of mm-hmm. notice things um if you can enjoy if you can enjoy life doing nothing then it's i mean that realization is totally life changing you know you don't need to have constant stimulation you don't need to be productive or or accomplishing anything to enjoy yourself all you need to do is pay attention to what's around you and yeah that's um that's a really profound realization when you kind of notice that for the first time
1: mhm yeah i think this would be a very Healthy realization for. I hope every person makes it one day, mm. uh, sooner or later, because we grow up. We always need to do something to be happy. We need to do something to get our uh, our happiness or reward. Mm. But uh, this this reward system is not our human system. I think you know? mm. we should be. We are rewarded because we can live. That sounds now very high. I'm not always at that point that I feel this happiness and this love around you all the time, but uh, I believe in it. Mm. And uh, through meditation, I I used meditation before to, yeah, to being in this uh, emptiness. Then for my injury, yeah, now I'm not sure. Maybe only the gods and Jesus helped me to do it, but, uh, I learned what I can do with meditation, like when there's muscles there or this part of the body was starting shaking just because I put my concentration there. And uh, medicine, it's now we're, sorry, we are back at this topic. Medicine now tries to, they put, because the doctors who told me, and I was at one of the best doctors in Europe, like he did nerve transplantations. Wow! And this guy told me, hey boy, it's actually good how you work, this hand is working, but uh, you will never do hard climbing again. This this is not possible. Be happy that this hand is already in such a good state. Uh, I met him afterwards and I had to explain what I did. And then he said, yeah, they, they, they now put sensors there on these parts, on these part, muscles which are not here, and give like electroshocks and impulses that that then it gives the connection to the brain, and for me it was clear the connection must come from here to mm-hmm. the muscle. And then when those those muscles were have been vibrating, I knew, wow, this is possible. And think about the Shaolin monk what he is doing. So we are still in a. I'm a, just a, a learner, beginner. Those Shaolin monks, what they are doing, this is mind blowing.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I
0: love it, man. That's amazing. Where to go from here? Is there anything that we haven't talked about that feels important to you to share before I let you go? We've been talking for a couple hours. I've loved it. I've loved every minute of it, but oh, it's uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's getting late over there. I want to respect your it's time. It's getting late. Oh, no, that's not a problem, but I think we, we captured most of the stuff. Uh, I just want to... This year, more boulders will go to the areas... Maybe please bring some more awareness into the forest. And by the end of the year, I will have this guidebook for Raksham. And I hope that nice people are coming and enjoy this place. And yeah, we need to bring respect out there. It's the only thing which is helping this world, I think. Mm. We should still have fun and cry around and then have fun. But we can do this also with a very respectful way to each other. Mm. So let's see what's happening this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you
0: think you can keep doing this forever? Do you think you'll enjoy traveling and climbing and brushing rocks and discovering what's there, even after you can't climb as hard as you once did? Does it feel like something that you'll do for the rest of your life?
1: Yeah, uh, some way, the other way or the other way, for sure. Like Now I feel maybe, maybe taking me back to the big mountains where I started. So let's see. (laughs) <laughs> so back from the boulders. I now look for longer roots and maybe longer boulders. And maybe I wanna put up some roots this year. And maybe it brings me back to the mountains where where it all started. Mm. But uh I'm playing around like I have the probably the strongest finger ever in my life. Just the rest of the body is uh maybe not as young as it was before. Mm.
0: That's interesting. Is is that just from climbing? Is that just from climbing on rock or do you do you do additional mm. training on, on the side or why do you think your fingers are the strongest they've ever been?
1: Since my accident I also started playing around with training a bit more like before, before my training was most of the time climbing. Sometimes we went to a board or to the gym but I always trained in the boulders and after the accident I I connected with the training and I was getting really interested in this kind of stuff and I do some really crazy things I just tried out with my fingers and it seemed it worked out it's not a hell maybe I was listening to another podcast today and then I was thinking it sounds a bit different what I would say now because I, I believe in those Shaolin monks and maybe I'm not getting there completely but I I'm trying out really new things in finger power and training and concentration. It, and it seems it works out. So the fingers are stronger, so, but now I must.
0: <laughs> I have to ask about this. People are going to be smiling just knowing that I can't let that slide and not ask you for for all the information about what you're doing. I was about to let you go and wrap up the podcast, but that's too enticing. Um, I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I really believe in that stuff. I remember... Um, I remember listening to like an old interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger and he was talking about when he would train for Mr. Olympia, you know, he would be doing his curls, but like his mind was inside his bicep and he was super focused on like exactly what was happening inside his arm. And he really believed that like putting his attention in these different muscles and in these different parts of his bodies was a huge key to why he was so successful. And so I think there's something to it. I I think it's really intriguing. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, tell me more. Tell me more about your finger training and, and what's
1: different about it. Okay, what I do now. I think, I just say now maybe it's really unhealthy but my body can take it. Okay. But somebody was saying when you are older, you have to warm up more. I don't do this any, like, uh, I don't really warm up a lot. Like uh, I warm up my my mind. I warm up the nerves, like, Well, I saw those, the trainers are still warming up the muscles, but you, I think you can warm up your nerve nerve system, Mm. which is supporting the muscles. Uh, And then I have the feeling, okay, I'm, I'm warm. I do my exercises. I had some shoulder problems. So now I do a little bit with the, with the Mm TeraBand because last year I, I broke my, I hurt my shoulder badly on kids climbing course.
0: Oh no. (laughs)
1: Uh, no <laughs> yeah, no totally <laughs> problem. And then uh, people warm up slowly and I I shock my body a little bit like I I go down today in my training board I have like three millimeter creams, four millimeter creams and I just take some maybe the maybe today I start with the six. I'm not warmed up a lot, but I try to hold on and I tell my body, hey guy, I'm gonna push you soon. This is where we start. Uh, But you have to do this with a lot of, how you said today, uh, you must know yourself very good. Like, because you can hurt yourself also, like when you warm up. Like, I hang on there just very quickly. Like, I give him a short impulse. Mm. And then uh, maybe 10 minutes later, I do a a session on that stuff. Hmm. But it's really feeling like, I'm not forcing. Like there are days you want to do it, but you go there and think, mm, I don't get the right response. Then I leave it and I do other things. Hmm. But I just last year, I was hanging on these small holes. Not 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 a lot. Maybe once a week. Maybe at the end, twice a week. And I was surprised how how the fingers adapt. Like I didn't get finger problems. I got big fingers like uh, they... I trained yesterday, so they get really. I have thick fingers, like mm. Frank and Jura will be a problem in the future. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, I don't have pain, so I'm playing around a little bit. When I'm, maybe if it's really working, that I can teach kids or other people, I would tell more about it. You have to be very sensible doing this. Mm. But uh, I think I shock my body a little bit, because the, this is the, this is the the player up there. The mind, yeah. The mind. And then once he's shocked, uh, I do some hard sessions with it.
0: Okay. How do you... And
1: it seems it... Or or you go first to the six millimeter crimps or four millimeters and try to hold on a little bit. Actually, it started like that. I, I just played around and then I went to my friends. They have a wall and then you get like one centimeter crimp or... Those holes feel just much better (laughs) when you hang first on the small ones. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm curious. You mentioned that you, rather than warming up your muscles, you warm up your nerves. What does that look like? Is that just like a concentration thing? Is that just happening with you being still and using your mind? Or are you doing something
1: to warm up your nervous system, your nerves and your nervous system? Mm Mm-hmm. I tried out different things i do sometimes i do like uh some exercises maybe similar like qigong it's concentration work like when mm. i i make kids courses i make concentration work like i i let them stretch the hands and then i say okay fully concentration on this fingertip you feel your pulse on your fingertip so this is only by your concentration you bring the pulse on this finger then you bring this here Mm. You can bring it to any other fingers. You can bring this to any part of your body. And uh, I think this is very healthy and, and it works out. And then there are some movement exercises out of Qigong. And uh, this is very holistic way of... Well, it's holistic the right way. My English is not so good. No, huh? so oh, it's great. Yeah. I would say it's very uh, seeing the body as a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, holistic. That's exactly it's, it. It's It's a very... Concentration thing, yeah. Sometimes I sit down, do a little breath exercise, and then I go training. Hmm. And uh, I did not have had any injuries. My my pulley broke, maybe because I was just. Too tired or too stupid in the night. I was psyched. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens. It still, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I, I find that really fascinating. I, I think about this sometimes. Um, you know, you watch, you watch like a nature show or something like Planet Earth, and you watch like a a cheetah sprint after its prey, or a snow leopard, you know, like catch a mountain goat on the side of a mountain or something like wild animals never warm up, you know? They're just like laying there kind of sleeping and then maybe they stalk a little bit but then they just go from like being still to full sprint attack and take down mm-hmm. take down their prey and they never do warm ups, they don't they don't like have stretching sessions and stuff. So I've always been kind of curious about that with humans, like what is it that's different? Why do we need to do that? And is there an alternative? And and you're kind of t- you're yeah, you're kind of presenting an interesting alternative which mm-hmm. Does make a lot of sense.
1: No, I think so too. Uh, I don't know why this warming up is so important. Like maybe dancing before is cool. Like put in some music and <laughs> relax, <laughs> relax the body, shake, shake the body. I think. <laughs> That's what I do sometimes. What do you like to listen before to when I... you when you're warming up? Oh, I love. I'm an old electronic guy. I love all kinds of. You electronic. should send me a now playlist. I... I'll, I'll link to it. Yeah, I can. I will have a look. Here's some old stuff from from Austria, some old teachers. But I love electronic in all different kinds, and also auto music. But without music, I don't start the training. Mm. More or less, I need to have the right beat and the mood, and then I then I do my training. So I think shaking and dancing before <laughs> it, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, cool. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh well, we could talk on for forever. I know like.
0: you're so you're so wonderful to talk to. I could talk to you all day. Um Thanks for doing this. It's been really fun. Yeah, thank I, I really you. enjoyed it. And uh yeah, it's sometimes a lot of the time I do a pre-interview. You know, I try to talk with people before we do the podcast. And um it is really interesting that it it's this similar kind of feeling thing it's hard to, to explain like, I don't always do it I don't do it with everybody and I can't explain why it's just this sense that someone's going to be easy to connect with or um, or that I'm going to need to get to know them a little bit beforehand to break the ice or something like that but um, this is the first time we've ever talked and it feels like connecting with an old friend and it's just been yeah, it's just uh, been wonderful and super easy and I hope we actually get
1: to meet in person one of these days. Yeah. Uh, it was the same for me. Like I was a little bit nervous. It's kind of the first podcast I I made. Okay. So I was a little bit nervous before. So it was really, I had the same feeling. It was really nice to talk with you and let me know when you are in Magic Wood. Like uh, I'm, Oh yeah. I will come by and yeah, have a drink. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Let's do that. Yeah. I'll be there in a little over a month. I leave on May 12th. And uh, I'll be
1: there until June 26th, so quite a quite a while. Um, okay, yeah, I will be off in May a little bit, but I will come back the end of May. No, uh, yeah, we let's go for a drink one day.
0: Okay, <laughs> you know it's funny. This will probably come out after that, so we could have just done this in person. But oh well.
1: <laughs> oh, so it's so, so cool. <laughs> oh well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no it's yeah. really cool I thank you very much and uh, I I miss this spot you have made already so many uh, shows it's really incredible wow and I just listened to a few of them it's really cool to hear like now I must check with Johnny Dawes because I <laughs> met him also a few years ago yeah uh, and the way you make it is really beautiful
0: thank you thank you that means a lot to me it's uh I mean, it's, it's work. It's, it's my job, but it's, it's so much fun. It doesn't feel like work at all. It's the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I really hope I get to keep doing it forever. It's, I mean, conversations like this, um, you seem like someone who's so good at disconnecting and being present and like really being in the moment. And this is the thing that helps me get there maybe more than anything. As as much as climbing, I get there with climbing, but climbing's always a little bit more complicated. Like, you know, sometimes I'm just there and I'm just enjoying it and in the moment and letting go of all expectation. But I'm also like a very performance-oriented climber and it's hard for me to let go of that and and put that to the side. You know, I want to ascend, I want to get it done, I want to add the check mark in the guidebook. But having conversations like this, it just feels it's my favorite thing. I mean, it's so, it's so fun. And it just, you can't not be here doing this, you know, like mm-hmm. you can't be distracted. And it just always feels like such a gift to connect with people like you and get two hours of your time. It, I always feel honored to to have people's time and want to make the experience the best possible experience it can be for them. And it's just that thing that pulls me into the moment. And it's, it's so special. So so thanks for doing this. I really love talking to you. I hope we get to meet up for a drink and do this again. And uh, I'll yeah, definitely, cool. I'll definitely be in touch when I get over to Magicwood.
1: Yeah, give me, give me a call or send me a message, and I wish you a good day. Thank you. Or bouldering and have fun. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Bye, bye. Good night. All right. <laughs> bye. Ciao.
0: Hey friends, a few quick reminders before you go. First thing, the nugget is now on YouTube. We're sharing some of my favorite clips from the podcast in eight minute long videos, and they're super cool. I'm really proud of how these things are turning out, and the YouTube channel is a great way to sample other episodes before diving into a two hour podcast, and it's a great way to revisit some of your favorite nuggets from the show. Just search for The Nugget Climbing on YouTube. I also put a tremendous amount of effort into the show notes for every episode. You can find those at thenuggetclimbing.com. If you ever wanna learn more about a guest or watch the videos or buy the books we talked about or see the Instagram posts we talked about or whatever it is, you can find links to all of the things in the show notes for each episode at thenuggetclimbing.com, including links to all of my sponsors. Thanks again to all my sponsors for this episode. You can check them out in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. You'll find a list of sponsors for this episode and their coupon codes, or just scroll down right there in your podcast app. I make it really easy for you guys to have great deals on some of my favorite products. Again, just scroll down right there in your podcast app or check out the list of sponsors in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. Finally, if you want even more great content, if you've been loving the show, I have a Patreon. I have tons of bonus episodes over there, almost 50 bonus episodes that I've published so far with past guests from the show, with more bonus episodes coming all the time. They're called follow-ups. Follow-ups are some of my favorite interviews that I've done on the podcast. You'll get access to all of those and ad-free versions of the regular episodes as well as uncut video interviews, if you prefer to watch the video, all of that for $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash Climbing to learn more. And there's a link for Patreon right there in your podcast app as well. Thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. I appreciate all of your support. I hope you're having an amazing week and we will see you next time.